1: you might actually be the most derivative one of all i mean christ the same
2: house maybe so but you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie never answer i'm bored wait
1: welcome back to horror queers we're talking origin stories and daddy issues we're talking sleep tight try not to bugger each other and we're talking i'll be closing the outer doors in 15 minutes i sincerely hope you can make it
3: and i'm joe and i'm trace and we're talking self squid baby abortions Oh boy, the self-abortion, one of the two big talking points in this film. I'm interested to know what the other talking point is, but, uh, yes, <laughs> I, I everyone- I think you alluded to it last week in the outro. okay, got it. <laughs> uh, everyone, we are discussing Ridley Scott's alien prequel thing, Prometheus- prequel thing (laughs) it's a movie it it sounds like i don't like this movie i actually really do like this movie and um my watch yesterday was the most i have liked this movie out of all like five or six times that i've seen it
1: Hey, hey there we go there we go and also trace we should note that we are celebrating this movie on this here alien day so look at the timing
3: well and i think we really needed to do this because we did cover alien covenant i want to say two years ago and we were mm-hmm. not tied to that movie so i think we need to talk about the alien prequel we do like and shower it with some <laughs> love <laughs> Also, check yourself. I like Alien Covenant. I just recognize it has its flaws. Um it was kind of interesting. I, while rewatching this, I kept thinking about Alien Covenant because I forgot a lot about it. I was like, "Well, where's it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. I actually wonder if I would like Covenant more if I double featured it with this film." I
1: think so, and I would encourage listeners to reach out and let us know if they feel the same because I feel like there was a lot of groundwork that was carefully laid here for what would eventually happen in Covenant.
3: Yeah, it just that Prometheus feels so dense and rich and Alien Covenant feels like they just took a lot of narrative shortcuts and that's what bothers me. But okay, okay. Anyway, go <laughs> well, back and listen to that episode everybody. I know. <laughs> I didn't want to go rewatch it for this, man. <laughs> um okay, well everyone, why don't we bring in some guests because we have a lot to talk about with this movie. Um our guests waiting in the wings are the hosts of My Bloody Judy, a horror podcast in which they, as self-proclaimed final faggots, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it just clicked for him. <laughs> final faggots discuss all things horror. Please welcome to the stage Ian Carlos Crawford and Zachary Patton Garcia. Hello. Hey. We're excited to be here. Welcome to Prometheus.
0: Oh. Zach, was that the first time we were introduced like that? As I like, think so. I, I think feel, so. I
2: feel, I feel weird, right? <laughs> yeah. We usually do the introducing. <laughs> so it's a nice change up.
3: <laughs> well, welcome, boys. I'm curious. Before we, like, really dive into this, what what is your connection to this film? Or I guess maybe the Alien franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I grew up in the Alien movies because, like,
0: my dad is obsessed with them. Yes. Um And, like... Tell I've told this story like ten times exact, but like my mom will be like, "Oh, Alien and Predator remind me of my my boys when they were kids," and I'm like, "You know, like those weren't appropriate movies for me to see. I was terrified." <laughs> um, and like my parents will be like, "No, we don't like horror," but I'm like, "No, but those are horror movies," and they're like, "No, they're not. They're action movies." Um, oh no! <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I grew up on horror, and they're like surprised that I like horror. But yeah, I like. So I, I do like those movies as a kid. They were just like. I don't know if you guys had this. It was like, oh, those are the movies my dad likes. And it was like, (laughs) whatever. Yep. But like, they are good, right? I just feel like you can't pretend they're not, even if it's like something your stuffy conservative dad likes. Right. Um, (laughs) But like, (laughs) I always really liked Ripley. I still, it's weird because we grew up watching them so much. I definitely still blur the first and second one together sometimes. Like, I forget (laughs) what happens. Like, what aside from the like... Get away from her, you bitch. I know that's in the sequel, but like everything else kind of mushes together. And this movie I remember being really excited to see Mm
4: -hmm. in
0: theaters
4: because,
0: (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of expectations, right? We'd been waiting for something like this and to hear that Ridley Scott was coming back for it felt like such a big deal.
3: Yeah, I think, again, watching this, I was like, you know what? This works so much better if you just pretend like it's not an alien movie. Like it's not a part of this. And granted, it is. Like all of this is here. You can see the connections. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: But if you're coming in like, yeah, I want an alien movie. No. You're going to be disappointed, which is why Covenant just does a complete about face and says, fine, we'll give you a fucking alien movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm,
1: Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. but we're already getting into it, and Zach, we haven't heard your side.
2: Yeah, so I didn't see this one until 2017, right before Covenant came out. Um, I remember watching the other ones, the other four, on, like, FX whenever they would come on, so I loved the Alien movies, grew up with them. Alien Resurrection was, like, one of my favorite ones. Probably was my favorite one. (laughs) Uh, And I just, I remember, I do remember when this one came out, and I remember being, like, upset that it wasn't like a, a Ripley movie, you know? And so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just not even going to go see it. I don't care. And I, I really have like a thing against Shirley's Theron. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wait. I'm sorry. sorry uh, just, just shoot me already. It's okay. Explain it's okay. That. She annoys the fuck out of me and I can't. Wow. Uh, what, oh, wow. uh, what, what, is, what is language like on here? Are we are we good to go? Oh, with, yeah, you can uh, shoot everyone. Yeah, I she annoys anyone. the fuck out of me. Um,
0: I feel betrayed. <laughs> I didn't know this
1: about you, Zach. <laughs> we are witnessing the breakup of my bloody jubilation. <sighs>
2: it might be it might be a very rare sort of a appearance that that I, I, I like her in I really like her in Mad Max um, I like I love her in Monster oh, yeah. things like that but uh, I just feel like Charlize Theron does like Charlize Theron way too often and it, it doesn't seem right with me Uh, you're wrong you're a hundred percent (laughs) wrong yes
3: correct he is incorrect (laughs) she literally disappears into roles all the
1: time (laughs) (sighs) everyone's allowed to have an actor that they don't like that's
2: that's all i came on here to say and so i'll be making my exit now
3: and you're uh, entitled to your wrong opinion that's (laughs) fine
2: Um, the – she's fine. Whatever. We'll go with that. Um. Anyway, so I I just – I didn't want to see this movie, and so I, like, skipped it. And then when Covenant was coming back around, my husband was really excited to see it because he loved Prometheus. Mm -hmm. And so we rewatched the first four. We went into Prometheus, and I just fell in love with it. I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, Um, good. Okay. I had – I have the same issues that most people have with it. It just feels like it's like – me and you, were talking about it as we were watching it because we watched it right before this. It just feels like it's stacked on stacked on stacked sort of like themes and elements and all of these things that they just can't flesh out in a, a two-hour movie like they're trying mm-hmm. to do, right? Um, And then I actually really like Covenant, too. <laughs> right. I,
3: I, think, I think Covenant can work if you just watch it as a yeah. silly little B movie. It's just – After all the work this film did to set up, like, whatever it was going to do, you could tell that the backlash to this Mm. not being a quote-unquote alien movie made them make a lot of abrupt changes. I really hate how they handle Elizabeth Shaw in in Covenant. Yes. Mm. If you watch it, just oh, it's a fun monster movie with people getting killed. Totally fine. It's just that doesn't work to me as a sequel to Prometheus.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: See, and I would disagree with that completely because I think this entire movie is setting up what happens with David. Like you're you're overlooking everything about how complex the David
2: character is. Sure. in He is, but, but Ridley's way too messy to be doing it the way he's doing it. I remember Mm Ridley. So he, he did Prometheus. I remember a Covenant coming out. And then I remember him doing interviews after Covenant saying there were going to be two prequels before Covenant, then a sequel after Covenant. Like he's, (laughs) his, his train of thought was way too messy to be handling this. And I, I think he, uh, really set David up to fail just with how messy everything was, right? Like it should have been a really good like trilogy, right? We should have had yeah. something. I feel like there was a movie missing between Prometheus and Covenant that yes. we desperately mm. needed.
3: That i a hundred percent, and I think that might be why I held so much against Covenant because it does. It feels like we we're missing a movie. <laughs> yes, but
0: I I don't think so. To go back to what you said about the disappointment about not being an alien movie, I like for me that's not my disappointment. My disappointment is what zach was saying it's like a hat on a hat on a hat it's like Mm -hmm. we have the aliens but there's the other aliens but then they're 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 like they're war machines but then the other ones are bad and like but david is bad and it's like but who's the villain who's and like (laughs) elizabeth shaw she's such a non-character i love her so much i think she's such a poorly written like protagonist well, badass, okay, who wait, has wait, like wait. zero personality.
3: Okay, <laughs> I feel like we need to unpack this. Yeah, well, no, we we will. Her personality is I love Jesus. That 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 is. I'm sorry, I love religion. That is her personality. Could not be any more off putting to me. Fair. Well, but but that's. That's what the whole fucking movie's about. Is
4: faith. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I never wanted to be like, look, the one who had the cross prevailed. I'm like, no, that one should die. <laughs> like, mm. Give me like the smart no, scientist or like the mean know. girl
3: living. Well, that's why Charlize Theron should have won this. Yes, movie. she was. Yeah. Should or at have. least yes. survived.
2: <laughs> she couldn't even she couldn't even run sideways. Uh, <laughs> she there it is. There
1: it is. We got what? <laughs> ten minutes. Ten minutes. And somebody said I
2: was in
0: the theater and yelled <laughs> like I never. Zach knows I hate when people talk in movies. But like, I was like, what the fuck? When she Turn
2: was running right, in the back, like, just move, just
3: like. But, okay, but you know what, though? For the record, Shaw also runs in a straight line for the entire fucking yes. scene until she mm-hmm. trips and then she's like, And Wait, then she
2: rolls. She Jesus. trips and rolls. Jesus. Okay. That's that's what it was. Power of fate. It
3: was divine intervention. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, okay, we, we have a lot to talk about with how this movie even got made because, so let's start. <laughs> Walk us through it. Okay, so development on a fifth film in the Alien franchise was in progress by 2002. This is, I believe, five years after Alien Resurrection, because that was 97. Ridley Scott considered returning to the series he created with his 1979 science fiction horror film Alien to pursue a sequel that would explore the engineered origins of the Alien of the series' alien creatures, the xenomorphs. And, of course, the space jockey, the extraterrestrial being who briefly appears as a corpse in alien. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, Sigourney Weaver had expressed interest in returning, uh, James Cameron discussed the potential for a sequel with Scott, um, oh, I do want to say, though, Ian, I'm surprised that you said you get the first and second one mixed up, because they are two completely different films for me, where it's, like, that first one's a haunted house movie with an alien, and the second movie is a war movie with aliens. I mean, sure, yeah, I,
0: I don't know, I think it's just because I grew up watching them so much that, Mm. like, and- you know three is so different right like three Mm -hmm, very much and you know i don't like three but like i it's so three and resurrection are just like i don't you would never mix them up with the other two but like Mm -hmm. the settings look the same and like we get a lot of like it's still like a monster chasing them through a sci-fi spaceship right
3: yeah yeah
1: well, I think one and two also feel like a very good through line for Ripley's character. So if you're thinking about yes. them as her stories, right. two feels like a very natural extension, just with more army guys.
3: I will say that that aliens, the director's cut uh, uh, is like 20 minutes longer. And it's better it's really good. because it incorporates Ripley's daughter, who is not in the theatrical cut. of that mm-hmm. movie, So but yeah, so <laughs> James Cameron is like, In the deal with this and then 20th Century Fox is like hey James Cameron um, we have a script for a crossover film that's gonna pit the aliens against Predator and of course that became 2004's Alien vs. Predator but Cameron uh, (laughs) he (laughs) he was like fuck y'all this will and I quote kill the validity of the franchise so Hmm. he uh, just said nope I'm out Flash forward to 2009, and Fox says that the project was a reboot of the Alien franchise, and soon afterward was reported as an untitled prequel to Alien. And so, development stopped in June 2009, when Fox clashed with Ridley Scott over his selection of former television advertisement director Carl Eric Rinch as the director of the film, because Fox was only interested in pursuing this project if Ridley Scott directed. So, (laughs) which fair... For sure! So literally a month later, he signed on to direct, and they were like, cool, moving forward with this Alien prequel. (laughs) Other dude, you're out. (laughs) So, okay, let's talk about the script for this film. Screenwriter John Spates met Ridley Scott in late 2009, and they discussed Scott's desire to pursue an Alien prequel... And Spates offered his concept, including a bridge that would connect the story of the film's human characters to the alien saga. So Spates was hired, and he claimed he created the concept spontaneously without preconception. He wrote a 20-page, extremely detailed outline within three and a half weeks, and he had completed his first draft. Uh, He submitted it to the producers on Christmas Day 2009, which may be why this film is set on Christmas. I don't know. Hmm. Within 12 hours, Scott returned the script with notes for changes, and Spates spent the Christmas holiday redrafting the script. Spates was also tasked with exploring the unresolved mysteries from Alien, such as the space jockey, the aforementioned space jockey. He considered the mysteries of Alien to be... (laughs) To be alien in nature... Yes. (laughs) Saying all the mysteries have alien players, the exoskeleton nightmare and the elephantine titan that was called the Space Jockey. So how do you make anyone care about the events between creatures like this? So his solution was to link the alien mysteries to the past and future of humanity, saying, if that story is somehow ours and deeply enmeshed with the human story, that story changes meaning within our life. Things of such significance that we think of our own lives differently. His trouble, though, was that he had issues translating Scott's stylistic visual concepts to text. Um, He periodically constrained some of Scott's ideas and, in fact, reminded Scott that in the scene they were discussing, the characters were subject to gravity so as they could not simply float. So there were a lot of things that they weren't working with very well together. And it was a lot of back and forth, which makes sense for the creative process but mm-hmm.
1: but also you're clapping back against Ridley fucking Scott sometimes you need to
3: yeah yeah <laughs> Zach's like <laughs> Scott is not on top of his shit Zach's like I'm good. still not he's, ready to forgive you know,
2: he has cemented his legacy but he sometimes sometimes you gotta tell the creator mm-hmm. calm down a little bit just a I little say bit. that a lot about David
0: Lynch and Lady Gaga that they would have, <laughs> they would do well with an editor who's just putting his hand on their shoulder saying no
1: Okay, but now I also want David Lynch and Lady Gaga to
3: collaborate in some capacity. I would love it. (laughs) With Ridley Scott before he dies. (laughs) (laughs) So, by April 2010, the script was on the fourth draft. So, with the director and writer in place, and they were pleased with Spates' pitch, Fox scheduled a release date for December of 2011, but this was eventually canceled. In June of 2010, Ridley Scott announced that the script was complete and ready for filming. However... He then contacted Lost creator Damon Lindelof and asked him to review Spates' script. And within the hour, a messenger delivered the script to Lindelof and informed him that he would wait outside to return it as soon as Lindelof had finished reading it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus, I I don't know why Scott wanted Lindelof so bad. I don't really understand this, but he was it has really to be hot back, back then. Right? Yeah. I I guess what, Lost but Lost would have ended I guess right before this. So maybe he had like just gotten mm-hmm. off and he was like, Wait, get get Lindelof before he gets something else. <laughs> yeah. Maybe.
0: And I think Lindelof he had his hand in a lot of shit around this time. Yes. If I recall.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And he would have probably been an early development of his Leftovers TV series, actually.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: But um, Lindelof was unaware of what Scott and the producers liked about Spates' existing script and informed them that he found the general concept appealing, but that the story relied too heavily on elements of the Alien films, such as the Alien Creature's Life Cycle. As a direct prequel to Alien, the story was shaped to lead into that film's story and to recreate the familiar cues of that series, but Scott wanted to avoid repeating his previous accomplishments, so... Lindelof is going there saying, well, if the ending of the film is just going to be the room that John Hurt walks into that's full of alien eggs and alien, there's nothing interesting in that because we know where it's going to end. Good stories, you don't know where they're going to end. And so Heath said, a true prequel should essentially precede the events of the original film, but be about something entirely different, featuring different characters, have an entirely different theme, despite taking place in the same world. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Which I think is admirable, but it's also, like, very audacious when you're making a very well-publicized return with Ridley Scott prequel. Like, they, I think to a certain extent, they shot themselves in the foot.
3: Well, I don't know if you'll remember when this was being made. They kept... You know, it started with that, oh, it's an Alien prequel. But then they kept walking back, like, more and more Mm -hmm. as the release date approached. Like, oh, yeah, it is a prequel, but it's more like it it shares DNA with Mm -hmm. the Alien franchise. But Mm -hmm. it's not, like, a real prequel. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that, like, I remember all of that. Because I I think when Zach and I started the movie earlier today, I was like, this movie had a lot of rewrites, didn't it? Because I I felt like it kept, we kept hearing news like, ooh, it's going to come out next year. Ooh, it's going to come out next year. And then it's like, "Mm, maybe two years. Um, And, like... I don't love, I I feel like maybe that's what bothers me about the movie is I can feel all of that. It's like the push and pull of like, is this or isn't this an Alien prequel? And it doesn't bother me one way or the other, but like, land the plane. And I feel like they don't. And I I do enjoy this movie. I think the movie is enjoyable. But once I think about the writing, I'm like, do I like this movie? (laughs) Because like, the thing I like about it is that it could be... It's like in that universe, obviously, because we get the Weyland Corpor- Weyland-Yutani Corporation, but it didn't have to be fully connected. But then the connections feel so weak. I'm like, no, but make them stronger if you're going to have them there.
3: Well, OK, so going back to what Lindelof said about, you know, like if the movie just ends with the room where John Hurt walks into. In 2011, we did get a prequel to a very iconic horror film that basically does that exact same thing where it ends with where where the original begins. And that would be the thing. Mm -hmm.
0: you know i just saw that pop up on netflix and i completely forgot that movie existed but it they just put it up on netflix and i was like oh maybe i'll actually watch this oh have you never seen it
3: Mm -hmm. i don't think i have either the thing with that movie i actually think it's a fine movie like it's nowhere near as good as the first one because they over they went over all their practical effects with cgi so it all looks like Mm -hmm. shit
1: yeah it looks bad and that's the number one thing that people can't really forgive it for
3: Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly. Fair. But th- especially because the original is known for its practical effects, right? Yeah. But that aside, it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead and it's it's I call it a pre-make because it is a prequel. It deals with the Norwegian crew that the they're talking about constantly in the original film. Mm-hmm. But it's basically the same movie, where the same thing happens to them, and then it ends, you know, with the opening credits of The Thing, uh, where they're chasing the the wolf with the helicopter. So it's – I think it's a fun movie, and they make it to the alien spaceship, and they fight with the alien, blah, 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 blah. But as you said, it's more forgettable, whereas with Prometheus, I can at least respect their decision to do something wildly different.
2: Mm -hmm. And I wish they would have, like – I wish there would have been more encouragement for them to go full throttle with that instead. Mm -hmm. Because it just – I think it would have worked so much better without promise and let people just go into it and explore that world with them, right? Because it's world building in essence and mm-hmm. that's so fun, you know, especially for fans of a franchise. Mm-hmm. And if you – like we, we know that they're spaced, right? It's a prequel. So it's like a good amount of time between you know, the first Alien movie and this one. Although it's not that much time, but it's, <laughs> it's still <laughs> – there was, there was a lot of room to work without having to be like, okay, well, when's Ripley coming in, right? Right. Because it, it, it was that roundabout talking that really, I think, probably kept me from going to see it at the theater.
3: Well, and I wonder how much of it was Scott loving Lindelof's ideas and themes and all the yeah. questions he wanted to ask, and then Fox being like, but this is an alien movie, yeah, right? Yeah, where the
1: fuck are the aliens? That's how we're selling this film. <laughs>
3: So, Lindelof said that the other parts of the script were strong enough to survive without the alien hallmarks, such as the alien creature, which he believed had been diluted by the exposure it had received in the, like, what, 20, 30 years since the film's release? Mm -hmm. He said the producers are just looking for someone to say to them, hey, we don't need the alien stuff in here. It shouldn't be about that. It can be a part of the movie, but it shouldn't be what the movie's about. So he said the film should instead run parallel to the Alien series, and that a sequel to Prometheus would be Prometheus 2 and not Alien. Ha ha ha. So Lindelof met with producers the following morning and was hired shortly afterward in late 2010. Under Lindelof, the script diverged from Spates' alien prequel into an original creation. So at this point, I think Spates was essentially pushed out. Um, Scott and Lindelof worked together five days a week between July and August of 2010 to construct the vision Scott wanted to convey and decide what script changes were needed, including scaling back the alien symbolism and tropes. So August, September, Lindelof is spending five weeks writing his first draft, which he then submitted in mid-September. He was inspired by Blade Runner and, of course, Bates' script. But he thought it would be possible to combine an alien story of action and horror with the Blade Runner thematic. And again, this is where, like, Zach, it's kind of like, okay, maybe that's one element too many. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> telling you the hat on the hat on the hat <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're cooking with every ingredient in the kitchen
3: <laughs> he he just wanted to ask those big questions that are normally posed in science fiction films so he was leaning more towards the science fiction part of this than the horror part of this which i, I get
1: yeah and you can see it in the finished film right like it really is philosophical yep. and i think that's some of the strongest elements of the film
3: mm-hmm um, I actually no. <laughs> no, We'll get to it, we'll get to it. <laughs> I, I actually I remember walking Out of the theater Feeling like I had So many unanswered Questions but watching it, I right. was like really Most of my questions are answered it, it just took me A couple watches To figure it out
2: hmm. Well so the problem Is though right Is you You feel like your Questions are answered You know they, they They do explain a lot In this but Then Ridley Scott's given Interviews after And say And like erasing All of that And saying no But these weren't Those aliens These aren't those Engineers Those aren't I, This isn't that Paradise And You know, and and it leaves you with even more questions. So Scott's backtracking,
3: I truly believe, was a direct result of this film's underperformance in America.
2: Hmm. Hmm. But... Well, then he did it again after Covenant. Oh, because that (laughs) film also underperformed. It did. (laughs) So he's just... I want to see his, like, living room wall, because you know his ass is just staying up till 4 a.m., scribbling ideas on the wall, and... (laughs) it just (laughs) like this movie and the next movie feel like that it feels like so many so many so many ideas and just all over the place yeah Mm
3: -hmm. well so scott's story concept was partially inspired by chariots of the gods eric von danniken's work about the theory of ancient astronauts which hypothesizes that life on earth was created by aliens He also developed the theme that while the human crew is searching for their creators, David, the android, is already among its creators. Scott liked these ideas and further explored them in Lindelof's rewrite. And so for Elizabeth Shaw, Lindelof felt that it was important that she was distinct from Aliens Ripley to avoid inevitable comparisons between the two characters. And so in Spates' draft, Shaw was directly responsible for the events of the plot because she wants to seek out potentially dangerous knowledge. As with David, Lindelof expanded this facet of the character during his rewrites, and he spent approximately eight months developing the script, finishing in March 2011, just as filming was about to begin. Oof. Oof.
1: So there you go, Ian. That's when you look at that timeline. We thought we were going to get that green light in June, and then it takes him almost an entire full year to rewrite it.
4: Oof.
0: That that makes. I couldn't like remember the exact timeline, but I just I remember like being frustrated that the movie kept mm-hmm. not coming out.
1: I think we kept waiting to, for them to say, haha, no, we can't actually do this. It's all fallen apart. You're never going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, I don't think anyone thought we were going to get another Alien movie after Alien vs. Predator. Because, no, like, Resurrection essentially killed the franchise until Predator revived it. But, mm-hmm.
0: but didn't those movies not do that well either? The Alien vs. Predator movies? Oh,
3: no, the first one made the up. The first one did. Because it was money. Paul W.S. Anderson. And PG-13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second one was rated R and flopped because it, they also released it on Christmas Day.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've, uh, I've
0: only no. seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one.
3: The second one is like critically reviled. Like it's considered a terrible fucking movie. Um, I actually think it's really fun because alien it's Alien vs. Predator in suburbia. Like it takes place in a suburban town
0: oh wait no I have seen that I've I've seen them both then the first one's in like the Antarctic right yes it's Uh in the pyramid in the yeah I've seen both of them and when you just said that I was like oh wait I have seen that (laughs) it is fun right it's not like good but it's fun it's like a fun horror monster movie
1: it's just very dark because they didn't have the budget so they're they're Uh, trying to hide what they can't show you
0: know this is I know this doesn't matter but the thing that sticks out for me in that movie is when the girlfriend dies Mm -hmm. and it's so brutal because it's like they're the main couple and then she just fucking dies oh yeah because (laughs) she's likeable oh yeah
3: yes again it's not a good movie but there are some amazing parts in Alien vs. Predator Requiem like that absolutely like there's a pregnant woman who like a bunch of baby xenomorphs like burst out of her stomach her pregnant belly it is wild (laughs) oh boy (laughs) a kid gets killed in the first scene like oh it's so good
0: Yeah, Zach, we'll have to watch that together because I feel like you're getting a kick out of it.
2: <laughs> no, I love, I loved. I, I think I did go see the second one on Christmas. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep quiet because I actually really liked it. And <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, I think it, it was just uh, the the first one like exactly knew what it was right, and the second one, tried if I remember right, tried to do a little bit more. But I still had, like, a blast with it, you know? Yeah. I feel right.
0: like the first one is more straight, like, yeah, like like you said, Zach, It knew what it was doing, but it's a little more traditional Alien Predator, yeah. and then the second one's just, like, more, like, traditional horror movie, and mm. I think it's more fun.
3: All you have to do is say Alien versus Predator in Suburbia, and I am yeah. 100% so... Yeah. <laughs> Right, same. <laughs> um, but for Prometheus, really, oh, this is wild. The gall of this man, he requested a budget of 250 million dollars. Whoa, god,
2: I'm telling you, Scott is <laughs> <laughs> Zach. Did say <laughs> he's hit, he, he is hit an age, and uh, maybe he needs to direct these movies from a home or something because it's, it's <laughs> his ideas are just Zach, I don't
3: know, I don't know. Well, <laughs> unsurprisingly fox was reluctant to invest this amount of money and wanted to ensure the film would receive a lower pg-13 rating to broaden its potential audience and apparently up until like like a month before the film was going to come out it was originally going to be pg-13 but the one scene that was giving it its r rating was the self-abortion scene and they didn't right. want to get that
0: hmm. that's one of the best scenes yeah
3: yeah they needed to keep that for sure It was also reported that the film would be called Paradise, named after John Milton's poem Paradise Lost, but Scott considered that this would convey too much information about the film, so they (laughs) named it Prometheus instead. What?
1: (laughs) Which is also kind of silly because, I mean, if you know Paradise Lost, you probably also know what the Prometheus myth is.
0: I also feel like Paradise, okay, that... But it doesn't have to, like, if you said, oh, we named it Paradise, but it's not a reference to the John Milton, like, okay, I would believe that, right? (laughs) Like, it's just, like, one word. It's not like that's, like, a unique... Prometheus feels more on the nose
3: than Paradise. But yeah, so they filmed this in 3D. This was a 3D film. I will say that this looks fantastic in 3D, if you can see it in such a way. They were using the Avatar technology, but it was, like, after Avatar had been made, so they were, like, they were, I guess they were better at using it. And of course, they knew they had to have higher light levels on set since filming a 3D film it darkens the screen.
0: I I mean that that is the thing I will never like jab this. This movie's beautiful, like, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's and even I was actually wondering if it would hold up. You know, now to haven't I hadn't rewatched it in a while, but it still looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematography that, like, I feel like I didn't know what you just said about the lighting, but that makes sense because everything's very clear. Yeah, and I love that because I hate when movies are too fucking dark.
3: So okay, so you know how. For a while in the early 2010s, we were going through a lot of uh, movies that were not shot in 3D cameras. They were post-converted into 3D. And I always mm-hmm. looked shitty. Well, well, and that's because though, so you have to wear the 3D glasses, and it darkens the the the, the image for you. So mm-hmm. if you're filming a movie in 3D, you have to shoot it at a brighter, or at least color grade it to make it brighter, so that the glasses then make the the, the image look normal on screen. But none of those movies did that, so all those mm-hmm. post converted movies yeah. looked like shit because they didn't take into account for the fact that they were going to be post converted into 3D.
1: Well, hmm. and of course they didn't back divided because like because it was such a clear money grab right so Mm -hmm. they didn't really care about your visual experience because they just wanted your higher ticket prices
3: Mm. and usually the movies weren't good no
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember a lot of movies back like in that era being like annoyed with the 3d because it like didn't
2: add anything it wasn't good
1: yeah Looking at you, Clash of the Titans. Yes, I was gonna say, piece of
3: shit.
2: (laughs) I liked that one
3: too. (laughs) Well,
2: but the the, the thing is (laughs) enjoyable, but
3: it's not good. But the thing is, though, if if a lot of those movies didn't know they were going to be 3D when they were released, so the director is filming these movies not thinking, oh, yeah, this is gonna be 3D. And so it absolutely makes a difference in how they shoot the film. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that I mean, that makes sense that like oh, that's why I kind of look shitty, because you didn't tell me
2: I was supposed to be filming in 3D. And it like. was all of them. Like, I'm surprised Tom Traveler's wife wouldn't 3D, but following <laughs> oh God, that yeah. <laughs> trend because it just I, it, yeah, it was like, just about every movie that was out Well, Mm -hmm. and so because, though, like
3: any film being shot in 3D, it needed high levels of lighting on set. The hallmark dark and shadowy atmosphere of the Alien films was actually added in post-production using color grading processes. So when they shot this, like they shot it extremely bright. Hmm. And then went
1: back after the fact, which to me seems like it would be easier to do than trying to augment it
3: after the fact. Yeah, 100%. But... Anyway, he did not get a $250 million budget. He got a $130 million budget, which even still high. Yes. (laughs) For a deep, heady, sci-fi kind of alien film, R-rated alien film.
1: But I think that's why 20th Century Fox said it has to be Ridley Scott, because they knew that they could hang everything on him. Like he's coming back to the franchise after all this time. It probably seemed like a worthwhile investment.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think they used the $130 million really well. Like, uh, it just... Oh, yeah. It's expensive looking. And, and the next one, Covenant, looks really damn good too. Do you know, just off the top, what the budget for Covenant was? I think the budget for Covenant was $90 million, mm-hmm. which is still a lot of money. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, 97 to $111 million, actually. Okay. So it, there's a gap there. But <laughs> still a lot of money for an R-rated Alien movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so they, they film this in Shepperton Studios and Pinewood Studios in England. Um, he Scott uses eight sound stages for filming, including the 007 stage. Studio space was limited. The crew had to make five stages work for approximately 16 sets. And they increased the size of the 007 stage by over 30%. Ooh. As for exteriors, um, the alien world uh, were shot in Iceland, where filming took two weeks. They used Dedifoss, one of the most powerful waterfalls of Europe. They filmed in the Ciudad de la Luz audiovisual complex in Alicante, Spain. Shooting areas included the complex's large water tank, a nearby beach. They also filmed in Wadi Rum. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Wadi Rum Valley in Jordan. So huh. they went everywhere <laughs> to film this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I read that that opening scene was a location, not yeah. like yeah. fully digital. I was like, holy shit, because I it doesn't look fake, but it looks fake because it looks so crisp
3: right. Otherworldly. Yeah. The uh, the honest trailer for this movie. It was like one of the first honest shows that ever came out, but it's like a film whose first thirty minutes are mostly landscape shots. <laughs> <laughs> How dare <laughs> rude but, but fair. Where's the lie, but they look good. Yeah. Uh Scott Avoid used He avoided using green screens unless necessary, Um, instead using various items so the actors would know where they should be looking in any particular scene on the practical sets where CGI elements would be inserted in post-production. And so, Mm -hmm. Numi Rapay said that green screens were used fewer than six times during filming. That is
1: wild. Mm. All you have to do is take a look at the -the behind-the-scenes videos of any Marvel movie
3: and then compare that Mm. to what we're talking about with Prometheus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before getting into the uh, release and reception, though, I do want to say, so Mark Streitenfeld's score took just over a week to record with a 90-piece orchestra at Abbey Road Studios in London. But the way he did this, so... He wrote out the sheet music backwards. So the orchestra played the music backwards. And then he digitally flipped it to play it the normal, like forward way. What? So you're hearing the score as it is originally written, the same melody, but with a backwards-sounding orchestra, which gives it a kind of unusual, unsettling sound. Do you know, huh.
0: Zach and I just watched and recorded for The Conjuring? The uh, okay. music kind of reminded me of The Conjuring. Mmm. Like, especially in the opening when we get like one of the one of the uh scenery shots and mm-hmm. they're like there's like a like building tense music musical score and I, it reminded me of the weird where it sounds like ghosts howling in the conjuring it reminded me of that
2: in, in a just, similar way right like if the music in the conjuring does stand in for ghosts right this music would stand in for the landscape and it really does feel like landscape
3: the landscape Mm. is a character in the film just like new york city (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit more of a a personality or a character than other films yes (laughs) um and moving on to that though the film actually contains approximately 1300 digital effect shots um The main effects studio was Moving Picture Company, which produced about 420 of these shots. But several other studios, including, of course, WIDA, Fuel VFX, Rising Sun Pictures, Luma Pictures, Lola Visual Effects, and Hammerhead Productions all produce effect shots for the film. And I didn't, I wasn't able to go, like, really pour through this Blu-ray, but I do want to point out that the Blu-ray for this film is fucking stacked yeah. There are seven plus hours of bonus features, but four hours of which is a enormous making of documentary.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. It's really good, too. Yeah. So you went it has it? a commentary from, yeah, I, I've been through it, and then uh, Ridley does a commentary that's really good, also.
3: Oh, I wanted to get to that, but I ran out of time. Mm. That's what I want to listen to. Because I feel like listening, I mean, I I just listened to his brother, um, Tony Scott, on his commentary for The Hunger. And so I would love to hear Ridley Scott talk about film to see how they compare. Hmm. Uh, Prometheus was released in the UK on June 1st, 2012, and in North America about a week later, on June 8th, 2012. uh, It opened in the number two spot domestically, with $51 million behind the other weekend's new release, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. (laughs)
4: Jesus.
3: Something for everyone, right? (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, though. I mean, that's a pretty good start for this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. With this $130 million budget, it went on to gross $126.4 million domestically, so it did not make its money back here, mm-hmm. and $277 million internationally for a worldwide gross of $403.3 million. So it, it was still slightly profitable when you yeah. took the international numbers into account. I think they had to
1: bank on that. Like, they knew that that was going to be where it broke even.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean honestly to me it's shocking they gave alien covenant 100 million dollars after the performance of this movie
1: yeah but i think they thought they had a slam dunk because they were giving people what they wanted
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so wild too though because four hundred million, that's a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. it and, and it's the same thing with James Cameron. him saying he's gotta make a what? What was it? Two two billion to yeah. <laughs> to break even. Which no one thought that movie was gonna do that. Uh, and well did. maybe that's what Ridley Scott should have been doing is saying, We gotta hit a billion, y'all. It's just gotta be a billion and maybe they it. <laughs>
3: We really had to talk about the financials. Folks, if you want another one, you got to give me $2 here. That's in the trailer. This movie will only get a sequel if it makes $2 billion. (laughs) Listen, Sigourney's waiting
2: for the billion dollar mark, guys. Come on. Money, money. We can make it work. Oh,
1: here's the thing. Do you think if they had gotten James Cameron back that they would have brought Ridley back in for a cameo? Because he has that fucking connection, right?
3: Man, I'm telling you right now, if James Cameron... Came back <laughs> if he if he gave up on Avatar and came back and made a fucking alien movie again, mm. I would be so happy about that. <laughs> it would be wild. Mm. But nevertheless, critically, Prometheus did get a mostly positive reception. We're looking at a seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of seven out of ten, and Letterboxd users have awarded a slightly lower score of six point four out of ten. And I won't go through the reception because I feel like we're going to have we're kind of cover all those bases when we talk mm-hmm. about it. But that's it, Joe. <laughs> What's Prometheus <All> right. about? <laughs> All right, let's dig in, folks.
1: So we open with sweeping views of an empty planet Earth, and it's interesting, uh, Ian, that you said it sounded kind of like The Conjuring because I wrote a vaguely Star Trekian score.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it reads sci-fi epic to me, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Obviously, which given makes the sense. Fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we
1: see a spaceship hover over a waterfall and Sacrifice Engineer, who is played by Daniel James, disrobes and he drinks from a cup. We then get to watch his body disintegrate as his DNA literally breaks apart. We get to see this in close-up CGI. And then his corpse plummets into the water and the cells rearrange to signal the birth of humanity as we fade
3: into the title card. I do think it's interesting that this movie immediately disregards evolution. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah okay yes that's that's Here like we go. My, f-
0: my first issue with the movie is like <laughs> then that
2: doesn't fucking matter like but that's not that's not as cinematic like this is this in, intro is so cinematic and it's so intriguing and it just plays with the whole idea of creator and creation like mm-hmm. what, 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 what are you gonna what are you gonna put in the opening of this movie like two planets colliding and and you know, yeah. all of that. It just, but I don't think. A...
0: But like, okay, then put a kangaroo jumping over a jump rope. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> well, it doesn't be in the
2: third one. You know, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> it's not like you're seeing it. And you're like, wow, the creation. You're just like, wow, that alien disintegrated in water. No,
2: I was thinking, wow, the creation.
3: Well, Ian, I will side with you. I actually, I didn't know what this was the first time I saw this movie, and it. But but at the same time, that's okay because I know what it is now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's that's the thing, right? They're trying to create a sense of mystery and wonder. And then as an audience member, we have to trust that they will give us answers about who is this? Why does this matter? I think they thought we would recognize that this character looks kind of like what the space jockey looked like, at least in size and stature. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that any of us got it initially. It, It definitely is like, oh, I'll get that on round two, maybe.
0: I will say to be fair, even though I to like knock myself to be fair, I like even though I've seen those movies so many times, I fucking completely forgot. Like when I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, I don't know." Like I didn't remember the space. <laughs> this is targets. how the movie opens, right? <laughs> <Rocket.
1: laughs> <laughs> I think it's because we're so used to opening in space, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And this is a really good one, right? It's it's you get all your land landscape shots, and then does the, the camera pans up the waterfall, right? And then we see. Mm-hmm. The shot of standing – or the—he's no, not even standing there yet. It's just the the ship in the sky.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because we because we, it leaves him behind. Yeah, and I, I think that was that alone right there, like just had me
3: hooked. I mean, when we get to like you know, well, never mind. You know what? Fuck it. Sorry, we'll get we'll get there because that's when the answers start coming out. But I I love the answers because they're so negative they're so nihilistic (laughs) it's true this is a very fatalistic movie fatalistic there you go thank you (laughs) okay so after
1: the title card we jump ahead or well yeah I guess it's ahead in the chronology of the film but backwards in the alien timeline
3: yes (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh boy, mental gymnastics there. It is 20 uh 89 in Scotland and we are with Dr. Elizabeth Shaw, played by Numi Rapace in her English language debut. Am I getting that right? Ooh, I don't Or was she in that um Ooh, Guy Ritchie. shit. Never wow. mind. I'm I'll cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Because part of me was like, I, I remember her getting criticisms, and I was like, Is it a phonetic English thing? Because I know that she learned English for one of the movies, but I think it was the the guy Ritchie,
3: uh Oh, Sherlock Holmes! Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. honestly, I keep yeah, so Sherlock Holmes came out the year before this came out. Okay, uh, she was in that movie. The second so she's one. in the sequel. Yeah, because yeah, uh, c- c- they kill off Rachel McAdams in the first act, and then yeah. basically newly replaces replaces her. Yeah, she becomes. Really? The they new kill one, Rachel
0: McAdams' no. character.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. we have not seen this one. <laughs> uh, they're, they're entertaining yeah i i saw the first one in theaters and wasn't a fan so i didn't see the second one
0: yeah i saw the first one and was like that was fine but like yeah or.
3: nevertheless yeah. newly Pace was mostly known for being lisbeth salander in the original girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy there we go yes so we see her and her boyfriend dr charlie
1: holloway who is played by logan marshall green so trace this is our second logan marshall green film of the year And, uh, yeah, they have discovered a 3,500-year-old cave, and in it there are paintings of a star configuration. And at this point we then jump ahead four years, and we are in space, so we are aboard the vessel Prometheus we see android david who is played by michael fassbender as he is spying on dr shaw's dreams of her dead father who is played by patrick wilson that Sorry. i
3: forgot totally <laughs> forgot about all of this shit um also because um a lot of the visual effects because you know, if you notice whenever they do holograms in this movie it's like mm-hmm. they're made up of little dots right yes yeah. those dots made it so hard to make the holograms and i was like well, why didn't they just make it like a solid hologram <laughs> To mm-hmm. make it easier for themselves, but that's probably Ridley Scott being like, "I have a vision."
0: See, uh, I feel like that's that. Right, you just nailed what my issue with the movie is. Like, why are we making it harder? Yeah, like it's <laughs> if the, it just reeks of pretentious straight dude to me. Ooh. Like, I just and like there's few things that are less appealing to me than like that vibe. I went to grad school and got an MFA. I. Dealt with those straight guys all the time and i just like the moment something feels like pretentious straight guy i'm like Bleh. so it, it it's impressive that i do still enjoy this movie but like so <laughs> the reason i don't like the beginning is because and zach pointed this out when we were watching it Numi rapace is like oh that sketch means we have to find them what like mm-hmm. uh, well, what wait, about
3: but, this but, tells but, you but, that but this is like the 12th one of these they have yeah. found
0: but there's nothing that's like I don't know. It just is like a stupid sketch on a cave. And for us to breeze by that. But then we like pause on the weird alien, like drinking the acid juice and jumping in the (laughs) waterfall. Like it's for me, like the pacing there is like, well, we got to balance this out. Like, couldn't we have like, you know,
3: I wonder if uh, honestly, if you if you watch this movie as almost like a fable or like a Greek myth. Mm. if It maybe is because then the character's stupid decisions like make they don't bother me as much. I'm like, well, this is really like, it, especially if we're going to religion, like we're watching almost a religious fable here. Right. Maybe this would work better
1: if it was directed by Darren Aronofsky, who is legitimate. asshole. It could have been worse. And it
2: could have been worse. Have been
3: worse. <laughs> I mean, also we're placing a lot of blame on Scott. When again, I, I say blame. I like, this is a four out of five movie for me, but a lot of, I think Scott's pretension, as you're saying, Ian, is coming from the fact that he has he
2: made a script. Baby.
3: Well, it's coming from Lindelof, Lindelof, <laughs> and his lofty ideas and questions without answers are is what Scott is interested in. This movie.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I would buy pretentious straight guy from Scott, but no, I don't know about straight guy because he does. A, he's done a lot of like queer coded projects, right? And this Gladiator, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> just just one to say. Um, <laughs> and I think this one fits in there i don't know i don't know if i would say potential straight guy would you prefer i I think i understand
1: what ian's saying it's (laughs) it's a vibe it's not necessarily that this movie is straight like we're going to talk about some weird queerness Mm. in this movie a little bit more subtle than alien covenant which actually has that queer couple in it kind of (laughs) because it's still secondary but i think what some people struggle with with this film and other films like it is that it can take itself very seriously like i think we've described this as you know it's heady it's philosophical and i think sometimes it feels like the film wants to play fast and loose with its own mythology so mm. that it can stand on a soapbox and be like look at how smart i am
0: yes yes that very 100% that and like I feel like Zach's probably tired of hearing me say this because I say it all the time. Like I hate when something's, I hate when something's telling me it's smart. Just show ah, me you're smart. See,
3: uh, I, I, I guess ever since I've actually started like writing film reviews, I've become way less inclined to call something pretentious. Um, if only because, I mean, look, I, I, I do. Think I've been writing film reviews for like ten years. Well, <laughs> uh, okay. So for me personally, what I'm saying is. <laughs> I think that Ridley Scott is a smart man. I don't think he is showing off, "Look how smart I am in this movie." I think he is genuinely interested and fascinated by everything he is mm. putting on screen here. He's just not telling it in the best way to make it very easily digestible. Mm. And I think that that is what makes people quick to jump to pretentious when they're like, "Oh, I I don't understand this, therefore it's pretentious." And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Ian. I am just I always feel like if I call something pretentious, it's like code for I don't understand this.
0: Well, that's not what I use
4: it for.
1: (laughs) I think, Zach, you were the one who said initially off the top that you felt like this movie didn't have enough time to thoroughly explore Mm -hmm. everything it wanted to do. And I think that that's where some of these frustrations come from, because there's a lot of fascinating details in here. Like you're saying, Ian, you know, tell me more about this exploration of the different caves and how you got to this sense. Yes. And sometimes it just does feel a little bit like a narrative shorthand, right? You know, okay, we've got the scientists we need to introduce. We've got to do the call to action or the call to mystery or adventure. Uh, cave paintings, let's go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> cave paintings, let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so we're still on board this ship. We get to watch David do a couple of other things, including watch Lawrence of Arabia. He gets to dye his hair because he's a giant mo. And then uh, we see him even pay homage to Ripley's basketball shot from Alien Resurrection.
3: And he's also watching film classics like Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, bitch, I just said that. Oh, shit. (laughs) I am listening, I swear to God. He watched it a couple times, so it was worth mentioning a couple more.
2: This is true.
3: A
1: film so good, it's worth repeating twice. I've actually never seen Lawrence of Arabia. I, don't think
0: have I haven't heard. either. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's probably for a different podcast. Fine. It's not horror. It's not queer. Moving <laughs> don't, on.
0: Don't beat yourself up over it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So the ship reaches its threshold destination, a.k.a. where it's supposed to be going. And the first woman up is abrasive company woman, Meredith Vickers, played by Zach's favorite, Charlie's Theron.
3: Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Zach. So is this is this Charlize Theron playing herself in this role?
2: I do like her in this one. I will say that. This, is one of, this is one of the ones that I do like her in, but um yeah, she is. She just is stone face, just, you know, tough as nails. Bit that's just that's just always always. There's she she's got that role so nailed down that it's hard to see her as anything else and I don't often see her as much else. Um uh, Question for you: Have you seen? This is recent. Um, let's pull up that filmography.
3: Let me pull it. up. Bring up IMDb. Yeah, let's pull it up. Like, ha- have you seen Long
2: Shot, where she plays the president with uh, with Seth Rogen? I have not, and admittedly, have not seen all of her movies either. So I'm sure there are ones that she has done a phenomenal
3: job in. Well, I only bring that movie up because it's mm-hmm. a rom- or it's a romantic comedy. It's an R-rated movie, whatever. But like, she gets to play like loose and fun. And ha- so that to me is almost like. That to me is Charlize Theron playing herself because I envision Charlize Theron as the loose, fun, like ecstasy taking woman that mm. she is in that movie. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a lock on like what, who is the Charlize Theron that keeps playing herself?
2: If well, if if that's the Charlize Theron that is playing Charlize Theron, then I would like to see that one. So maybe I'll have to check that one out, right? But like. Damn, Fast and Furious, uh, Mad Max, uh, or not Mad Max, um, The Huntsman, The Huntsman 2, you know. Um, oh, uh, bitch. It's, okay, it's, okay. It's just, maybe that's not, maybe it's, it, I, I didn't phrase it right when I said she's just playing herself, but she's playing. The same type. She has a specific role and a specific go-to sort of character that she she does, and she does it often. That's okay. fair. I think that's I mean, fair. That,
0: yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean I I feel like that's completely fair, but I'm just surprised hearing it from you, Zach. This feels mm. like something I would say. Well, and that's how <laughs> I've
2: always pictured her in real life too. So I uh, I guess I would okay. just say I guess it's what your perception of her is. You know.
3: So listeners, mm-hmm. everyone send Zach your recommendations for movies where Charlie Stern plays a fun loving free spirit.
2: Or you know what's better? Have. What's better is send me interviews, right? I can i I I have fun. Yeah. I have a lot of fun seeing somebody in an interview where they're having mm-hmm. a good time. And I can usually That's pick fair. up a personality from there. Nice. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean I do think what you're saying is totally fair, Zach. I but it doesn't bother me because I do I I don't know, like especially in this movie, like I mean, but fucking duh! Like that character is written to be the character Ian likes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because I always like the like biting, hard, mm-hmm. no bullshit woman who is not incorrect when she says, "Don't let that man on the ship."
3: Right? It's serving <laughs> corny behavior, right? It's funny though yeah. because that, that to me is like, oh, we're pulling that from Alien because it's literally a lift yeah. of a scene from Alien. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah
2: Yeah. ian saying she's she she is correct but ian was very much like saying let him on let him on the let him on the ship oh god (laughs) no i wasn't were you not i thought i heard you saying it no i Uh, said she's right that's what i said to you (laughs) okay well i do i do like her in this and i like this character a lot um i actually would have taken more of her in this movie Yes. Okay.
1: So that that's my segue to get us back on track because I think (laughs) that's my main criticism of this film. I'm actually fine with all of the philosophical stuff, Mm -hmm. the narrative shortcomings. For me, it's that there are too many fucking characters in this movie. Because when I was trying to put this plot synopsis together, like so we meet Meredith Vickers and then we basically get a really quick introduction to most people as we recreate the mess hall breakfast scene as everybody wakes up. We've got Captain Yannick. Idris Elba not enough of him in this movie could have done with way more Elba in this mm-hmm. movie we've got Dr. Ford who I know Kate Dickey isn't a huge <gasps> actress but I'm just like why the fuck is she even in this movie like why isn't David just playing doctor
3: I forgot she was in this and honestly her death isn't even like good because she gets knocked no. yeah. away and you're like oh I guess she's dead now yeah. okay she's smacked
1: and she just never comes back
3: but like she
2: also plays a villainous role and I was like why Why mm-hmm. are we getting more of that <laughs> Yeah. But is she villainous? I don't even know if I would call her villainous in this because she didn't. We didn't spend enough time f- to, to see her do anything truly villainous. Mm, but, well, we do when and she's, she's,
3: she's going to put Shaw in cryo sleep okay. so they can preserve the, the squid baby. Hmm. Yeah, she's collaborating with Waylon. Yes. So. I will say
0: that I was a little bit unclear on whether they were just like, Oh, she's like sick, so we have to put her in cryo, cryo, whatever. Or it's like, oh, she got that weird alien baby, so we're putting her in cryo.
3: Yeah, no, because David saw that thing, immediately told Wayland, and got his his crew of insiders, which included Kate Dickey's character. She'd be like, Mm -hmm. cool, put that bitch in cryo sleep, we're going to save that squid baby. but you'd be forgiven for not knowing that because none of
1: it is actually explained i think you have to infer because ford is aware that weyland is on board and she's treating him which then lends credit to the idea that she would be in favor of like capturing an alien baby bringing it back to planet earth blah 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 blah.
3: which really goes to show how pro-religion and anti-science this movie is (laughs) Uh, they're on the record as saying that this movie is pro-science that's interesting to me
1: but (laughs) okay Because they they wanted to be, you can be a scientist, but you can also be religious. That's the whole point of Dr. Shaw. That's Lindelof.
3: That's Lindelof. Yeah,
0: I just, I I actually do, I I also felt like it was more pro-religion, and I Mm -hmm. guess, like, it could just be my, like, brattiness to, like, being repelled by religion, but, like, i'm like ugh, she had to put the fucking cross that's what's important okay. you get in your cross
3: yeah. but at the same <laughs> like. time though isn't it funny though because the opening scene of this movie outright undoes most religions
0: yeah that's true
3: yeah but it's also about sacrifice and i don't
1: know well okay we well, you'll just keep let's going. park that alone. and we'll come back to it as we go <laughs> so other characters that are sort of important uh biologist Milburn played by Rafe Spall as well as geologist Fifield who is played by Sean Harris and my queer reading for this is that these two are in a romantic comedy will they won't they because they fight and they they would have fucked except oops they die
3: I, I will say when you talk about how many characters there were in this movie um whenever Fifield comes back as a zombie and he kills you know, like, like who? oh <laughs> Because he kills, like, three people, and I was like, who are these people?
1: (laughs) Oh, the security team. Yeah, no, those are literal red shirts.
3: (laughs) See, Alien had it right. You have a crew of six people.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Get to know your cast, because you can't. (laughs) because
1: even in the final scene when yannick is like i'm gonna murder myself to blow up this alien spaceship and there's two pilots and it's like one of them is benedict wong and yet
2: i defy you tell me that character's name
0: i forgot he was in this movie i was like zach is that wong from dr strange
2: and it's such a heroic (laughs) moment but i don't know how they would mentally get there where they'd be like i'll go down with you captain right like we didn't Mm -hmm. see any anything um I Although, think
3: it's, no, I think for me it's like, oh, we're already this far away from our It's gonna be yes. such a long drive back. Honestly, I might as well kill myself. I'm tired. <laughs> I thought it was like, well, we're gonna die
0: anyway. Like if we don't do this, we'll die. At least if we crash. Well, Vickers we'll was murders. not
2: feeling that. Uh no. not. Th- no.
3: that's why I love that character. She's like, Get me the fuck off <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. You got so much of her just from her little escape route than I yes! did in the rest of the movie. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we get a terse introduction, and Vickers opens this show. So this kind of lays out some exposition about what exactly we're doing on the Prometheus, where we're going, and so on. So we get a hologram of Waylon, who is played by Guy Pierce in old-age drag makeup, (laughs) and he reveals that, yes, David is an android. He is interested in life after death and the big questions of the universe, and then he basically says... Take it away, Shaw and Holloway. So they come up and they do this spiel about how we found 12 different Kate paintings from very different times and they all seem to have the same thing. Come and find us.
2: Let's go into a but creation. Myth. Don't you have this meeting before you leave Earth? Because everybody is not receptive <laughs> to this idea. And it, it seems like maybe you would agree after you, after hearing the pitch. It's well, like, oh, were these people just here because they were paid a shit yeah, that, ton that, of money? That, that's
3: what it is. Because again, all we know that we well, we know that Charlie's Theron knows what's up. Um mm-hmm. but Wayland, as we will find out later, only wants to know how to stop dying. Right. So yes, he absolutely just pay so He's spent a trillion dollars on this thing. Which <laughs> is
1: wild. Like I can't imagine signing up for something and saying, I'm going to a space planet somewhere. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. why. No, I just no. just need to get paid.
3: No, no, no. Because Alien, the very first Alien, that's what they're doing. They're like, they're just getting paid to do whatever fucking trash mission, like literal trash mission they're on. <laughs> I guess. These are scientists, though. They're not blue-collar <laughs> yeah, workers. That,
0: yeah, that's the thing. Like, some of the other people, like, sure, the the Field or whatever, he's more like hired muscle. Oh, no, he's, he's not, a geologist. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say, he's not, but he comes off that way. Like, he does. sure, maybe some of, like, the more, like, doofy guys, but, like... Yeah, the like Numi Rapace is like a scientist. She she saw the she's the one that saw the cave paintings that she said were what made them want to go to space. So like it just a little bit is like well, they don't know what. Like even if they knew it well, just a little bit more.
3: Well, no, but 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 they know. well, They think they know what they're doing. Sorry for Numi sure. Rapace and for uh, uh, Holloway. Holloway, Um, they they think they know what they're doing, which is just to go contact their creators. They don't know about the ulterior motive, bitch. We only want to find out how to be immortal. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, for me, the scene is just a little. It's a little too for the audience as Mm -hmm. opposed to the characters who I have to believe would have at least asked a couple questions before they went into fucking hypersleep for two years.
3: I know. I disagree with. I I think in the future, it's just a normal (laughs) thing
1: that's fair we'll find out in what uh 50 years (laughs) yeah (laughs) no 60 years sorry we're 60 years away i can do math
0: (laughs) is that is that when covenant takes place alien no but isn't covenant oh covenant's not this is all
3: before alien this is a prequel oh my god but you said 60 years so is alien 60 years after this movie (laughs)
1: I'm saying the year is 2023,
2: so we'll find out in 60 This is the years. same oh, conversation oh. all of the crew is having on the ship as well. Yeah. They are not <laughs> sure not. what's going
3: on. <laughs> that was not clear. <laughs> I was like, am I stoned? <laughs>
4: the answer is yes.
3: Everyone listening to this, please be stoned. It will make more sense. <laughs> I think, uh, to answer your question, Ian, I think that Alien Covenant takes place four years after this. Okay. Um, Alien, by the way, takes place in 2122. Ooh, that's quite a jump.
0: Well, it doesn't, that's only 30 years.
3: Yeah, twenty-one, twenty-two. So 2089 to 21 oh, 22.
0: Yeah. I'm gay. I don't know math.
1: <laughs> Clearly, we've all demonstrated none of us can follow math from the <laughs> good last four. <Lawrence>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'll
1: try to clean that up in the edit. That good least. fucking <laughs> luck. <laughs> Okay, so after this uh dog and pony show, Shaw and Holloway get a tour of Vicker's self-contained living quarters
3: including Chekhov's med pod um I love oh yeah <laughs> I love that Theron like never leaves this fucking ship <laughs> mm-hmm. she
1: doesn't want uh she doesn't want to debase herself by interacting with the rest of the crew I think
3: well also How could she possibly y'all relate to her right because she's very much like a I don't believe in your stupid gods. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think this is all a sham, and then we're gonna get there and find nothing, and then I can go back and tell my daddy <laughs> that this is but, all a waste of money. <laughs> but what I would say is,
0: like, my would be like, yeah, sure, aliens, like, fine. I just wouldn't. I would be like, yeah, there probably will be aliens, but they're not gods. Like that's how I would. I like it's not that I wouldn't believe aliens weren't there. It's that I would be like, don't say God.
2: <laughs> like, mm. but they're out looking for creation or like the line of creation, right? So. That can even go beyond just the concept of God. It's just, I I don't know. They're trying to find some sort of origin space.
1: Mm -hmm. Like to me, Shaw is also searching for a bit of meaning, right? Yeah. I think that's where the struggle is interesting in her character between her science background where she's saying, you know, we can track this and that and that's why I'm interested, but also because she wants to believe in something better. She wants to believe in something larger than that and of course you know we're supposed to read that into her daddy issues well, but this film is filled with them so. but
3: but that's also where like Shaw doesn't learn her lesson like her, her her need for answers and knowledge gets a lot of people killed in this movie. It's true and, and then she continues to get people killed and then she ends the movie with like instead of like oh I could go home or I could go to the home plan and ask them why did they want to kill us and mm-hmm. <laughs> like bitch did you not
2: live through this movie? Yes. No but she's already that far in, right like she's already mm-hmm. sent sure. the signals Same. she's committed yeah, the the ship and the crew are all gone you know and she's not coming back it's just why go back you're that far anyway and you have yeah, this true. this david who can get you to where you need to go because mm. she saw that the aliens just
0: kill everyone, so you know they're not going to be like, yes, let's sit down and talk about <laughs> this. They're going to fucking kill
2: you. But, but I guess she in has her to mind, believe. though, Ian, she has to believe something will change. Yeah. Exactly.
0: That's exactly the problem. No, but I like that.
2: I like that <laughs> yeah. the, the, the need to believe in something, right? Like, I do think of Shaw as somebody who, yes, wears the cross, calls it God, but is is also open to whatever the truth is going to be. She just needs to believe in something,
3: well, and that's why, Ian, I, I will combat you on Shaw being like a one-dimensional character. I mean, I, I made a joke that was like her her character, that she's religious. She loves God, she loves Jesus, whatever. But while I don't agree with Shaw's like, ideologies, I do find her a fascinating character and very flawed because she will do whatever it takes, including many stupid things, to mm-hmm. get an- the answer she seeks. Which, you know, I, I think that's what a lot of people who are very religious, you know, they they – want those answers it's comforting right and so when she is faced with the reality of what the engineers are in this movie it that's why she has to keep pushing because she can't accept it yeah absolutely so i don't agree with her ideologies but i i find it fascinating because i i I know people like her Mm -hmm. i
0: just like you guys saying like she's already in it so far and i just like, I do get what you're saying, but for me, I'm like, yeah, and everyone died. Like, why would I be like, Who right. is she well, going it'll back work out for, for me though, this
3: time. You know? Yeah, like, everyone everyone she knows is dead.
2: <laughs> but but she only – she doesn't have any – like, there's no other family. That was just her, like <laughs> – Just from what we know. Let's just say just from what we know, all of the – all of her yeah. research has consumed her, and it was her and her man both doing the same research her dad's did. I don't know if she did have much – or I don't read it that she had much of a life outside of this. Yeah, right.
3: At the end of the day, Ian, like, like even though I I get where you're coming from, I buy based on what we know about Elizabeth Shaw. I buy every single decision she makes in this movie based on the information this film gives us about her. Mm-hmm. I love her. I will always defend her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so I'm going to name the pilots just because they do pop back up at the end. So uh, we have Chance and Ravel, and that would be Emin Elliot as well as Benedict Wong. So they're offering statistics about how inhospitable the planet is, and this will become important once we get inside the pyramid. And yeah, we end up spotting this kind of weird geographical anomaly. Holloway's like, yeah, put her down there. I want to get an exposition team. Let's go in immediately. Um, We get some fun moments where he and David get into a bit of a spat. And I think this is partially why David ultimately ends up poisoning Holloway is because he doesn't like Holloway critiquing his humanity Holloway's
3: kind of a dick to him oh he's a huge dick to him I don't know if I agree with that because I don't like we can discuss David Uh, that's a whole podcast episode but I don't think David feels I truly think that when David drops that little black goo into his thing because he does ask him what would Mm -hmm. you do to find the answers and he's like anything and for his computer brain he's like "All right, cool
2: (laughs) let me drop this black goo you don't think like later when when um Holloway is drunk and, and throwing the balls down the down the uh billiards table and, and David mm. catches it, you don't think that was out of like some sort of annoyance? I just don't
3: based on what we know about androids in this franchise, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any personal vendetta. I think it's all purely hmm. uh, curiosity and scientific based. Uh, I can buy all that. of his decisions. Hmm. I sort
1: of can, but I feel like David is most interested in Shaw and Holloway because he sees something in them that he relates to. Like this primal drive to get answers to everything, but also he doesn't do this to Shaw, right? Like he's happy to Mm -hmm. let her carry her, her alien baby, but he specifically went to Holloway. To do the infection, and I think that that's because they had had these kinds of interactions earlier.
3: Yeah, but 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 he doesn't know what this thing is going to do, so th- he doesn't know for certain that he is dooming Holloway oh, to death. Trace, G- this is an experiment. Give it up, man! No, absolutely not. <laughs> not. This is an experiment for him. This is an sure. experiment. That's all it is. And granted, could there be other factors that made him like choose Holloway specifically? Sure, but do I think it's a personal vendetta based on feelings? No. Hmm.
0: oh see i feel like i i get what you're saying but i feel like it's like which of these lab rats do i fucking hate oh this guy so i'm gonna start with him
2: <laughs> because they do build it up that way don't they yeah like they, see, they, the... they they give they give holloway and david those interactions so that that is set up um yeah uh, it's are we are we doing a queer reading of david in this this one oh, yeah we can yes, are we because to? we went okay.
1: there for covenant when we covered it okay
2: perfect yeah, I guess I, mean, I, 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 I just I just I
3: just think that David is so fucking curious and wants to learn. He's learning and he's doing experiments, but I don't think it's like, oh, fuck you, Holloway. I hate you. Therefore, here you go. And that's why he asked him the question. I guess here here's my here's my alternative theory. If he said, what would you do to, you know, fucking find your answers? And he was like, well, I do a lot of things, but I wouldn't want to, like, you know, be a human lab rat. Mm-hmm. Do you think David would still have put this thing in his drink? We're not clapping back against that, Trace. We're suggesting he specifically picked
1: Holloway as yeah. opposed to picking someone else. I
3: just think it's because he believes he was the prime subject for it.
2: Hmm, maybe. I don't know.
3: It's fine. I believe the <laughs> point.
2: <laughs> I think the only thing that would keep me from 100% believing that it was, like, without any sort of feeling, because I can buy that, but I think the only thing that would keep me is, – is that they do spend time specifically making Holloway kind of a dick to David, um, and why mm-hmm. do that if, you, if you're not – if you're not telling us something about that, the, the the closest thing
3: that I could get to believing that is is when David asked him, well, um, why why did your creators create me? Because we could. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, how would you feel if your creators told you the same thing? Like, which, again, is the whole fucking thesis of the film. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, David tends to wear it on his sleeve for sure. <laughs> Okay, so we get inside this pyramid and this is when Fifield sets his pups loose. I thought that was a very interesting word. Obviously, for a queer audience, the word pups from a grown man has like a certain kind of connotation. Obviously, in this case, I think the film is just saying like, oh, I'm letting the dogs out so that we can map the interior of this installation building whatever you want to call it we're
3: just missing the pup masks and the collars (laughs) there we go
1: so uh we get to a particular room that they suggest might have been terraformed and this is where this is the other big criticism of this film is that it's populated with scientists who make very stupid impulsive decisions for me I'm not particularly bothered by this because I think you can be a scientist and still be a fucked up, failable human being. So Holloway is a bit of an impulsive jerk. So when he's like, oh, it's breathable, I'm going to take off my helmet. I don't question that. It feels character driven to me.
3: I I agree. They've waited their entire lives for this moment, and he is running on a high, several highs right now. So I Mm. 100% believe everything that he does
2: him but what about everybody else because everybody else yes. is trained too well right and if we're going back to it being it being money driven and their their object is to get some money and get back right then why would they take a risk like this I could see him I could see Shaw both doing it but nobody well, else.
3: But he did it first, and he's fine, so therefore, it's fine. <laughs> it was two
2: minutes, because they said two minutes, though, and
1: it wasn't even two
2: minutes before anyone was <laughs> taking
1: their heads off. It right. feels like a group mindset thing, right? Like, we kind of see <laughs> people cross, go like, along with things because someone did it first. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I
3: mean, here's the thing. We like to believe that people are very, very, very smart. And unfortunately, people are flawed. Humans are flawed beings. And... Um, in this moment, already, they think they've made some kind of amazing discovery. So I I, I get it, but I, I'm just, I'm not one to criticize character behaviors. And also because we don't really know much about them other than they're scientists. Mm-hmm. Right. That is true.
1: <laughs> also, people have always made dumb choices in alien movies.
3: Yeah, right. Okay, seriously. <laughs> Look at the first movie. Yeah!
0: I, I think, like, normally I do agree with you. It doesn't normally bother me. Like, in horror movies, I'm like, yeah, if you're panicking, like, not everyone is, like, thinking clearly. Right. Mm-hmm. But it does bother me in this. This is, like, maybe one of the only movies that it does bother me because it just feels it just feels a little too
2: stupid. Well, it's because, well, right. you know, what we were saying earlier is this movie is trying to be smarter than your yes. well, just horror right. movie, right? So
3: with the, how do you feel about John Hurt putting his fucking face in an open egg sack in that first movie?
0: <laughs> but at least that's, like... He's not doing it like he he look, I'm gonna put the stupid egg sack on my he's like, looking at it. I don't know. He's like trying to like inspect it.
3: Okay, so 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 when Milburn tries to touch the clearly dangerous alien snake later in this movie, that's fine, because it's the same thing as what John Hurt's doing in that first movie. No, it's terrible. terrible. Don't do that.
2: Which
1: one I feel is like Milburn? that's the hardest one to get behind. You're just like Milburn
2: Buddy. I also can like very much forgive all of these like stupid behaviors. Like I like to rag on them, and and they're yeah. fun to just point out. But I mm. I that that will not hold me up, you know.
3: Well, and so that's again the the one really good point the honest trailer for this movie points out is where they're like, and a scientist who is terrified of a ten thousand year old dead alien corpse <laughs> <laughs> wants to touch this clearly dangerous alien snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i
1: i think we would forgive some of these if we knew these characters just a little bit more it's That's a, good point. a bit of a problem when we don't know milburn very well like at this point we kind of know holloway but also not too much we we know him more via shaw than him as an individual but i think if this movie had a few less characters and we could just spend a bit more time with mm. them i think well, we might be more frustrated when they make very dumb decisions, (laughs) but I think we might also say, oh, well, I know what's driving you a little bit more.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. But I also think,
3: uh, uh, here's the funny thing. Y'all are saying, oh, they're scientists. They should know better. But for me, I'm like, yeah, but they're scientists. They're curious. Yeah, that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and like, that's why I like, him touching this it doesn't actually bother me as much as some of the other things because it is like oh yeah they're curious that's why they're doing this it's when right. like oh everyone's dying in front of me but i'm pretending that's not like he hasn't watched anyone be murdered by these monsters so he's like oh cool an alien life form it's like a cute little snake and like yeah that's dumb but that's a little bit more viable it's like I can buy that more than like someone running in the path of something falling off.
3: Nevertheless, <laughs> though, I mean, you know, how much time have we just spent talking about the stupid decisions characters make in this movie when literally <laughs> that's not even like the point of the movie. And that, that's actually what I find fascinating about discourse around this movie is that people like to hone in on. Oh, why does Charlie Stern only run in a straight line? Oh, why do these people take the snake? Oh, why do they make these stupid decisions? Where I'm like, but that's not... I, I, There's other I, things. I, I hate it that that, that that is so distracting for viewers in a film that is clearly having a much larger conversation. Th- these are minor quibbles. I, I agree. Is it sometimes frustrating? Yes, but they are such minor quibbles to where they don't affect my viewing experience because I'm more interested in the conversations
2: the film is actually having. And it shouldn't really distract you from, from or, not, or affect your viewing experience, but it's, it is still fun to point out. and still fun to yeah. have conversations sure. about. Like I, I, I love making jokes about her running in a straight line. It's so fucking funny (laughs) when you watch it it looks funny it's just you know um, (laughs) but like you should be able to continue the movie if just yeah just because they take their helmets off you know
0: but like that's like saying well the characters are poorly written that's not the point like but it is the point that's it's a movie we're watching a movie with characters so like they have to be well written I feel like to say like oh well that's not the point. It's like but it's a movie. We're watching characters that were written.
2: It's it's a question about your own forgiveness, really. Like if you can if yeah. you really yes. cannot forgive that, yes. it, then you just you leave it alone. Turn the movie off right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of somewhere in the middle where some of this annoys me, but I think at the end of the day, I tend to side more on Trace's point where I think the movie is asking a lot of interesting questions. And that lets me sort of gently side eye some of the dumb character motivations, but oh, yeah. it's not the point. So, you know, yeah, we make a joke about it and then we move on because the film is doing more interesting things, mm. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, because I mean, I still enjoy the movie. Like I said, like, I think it's an enjoyable watch and I think everything looks like gorgeous, but I don't know. I just, I just don't think like if there's something bad about a movie, I like that feels like something someone would say to be like, no, it's not bad because that's not the point. It's like, well, oh, yeah, everything's got to be like good. No, no,
3: no, no, no. I mean, look, I am not trying to imply that you're critiquing these decisions is an invalid Critique. Like they are absolutely valid critiques. But I'm saying that for me, I'm able to look past value, that just yeah. because it's not the part of the film that I'm interested in and not the part that I think the film's interested in. But yeah, are you right? Where he's like, yeah, characters should have, they should be able to be drawn enough to where you can understand and buy the decisions they make. Absolutely. And if that's an issue you have, absolutely critique it. It's just, it doesn't really factor too much into any critique I have in this film.
0: Well, and that makes sense. Like I feel like with every. Especially genre and horror, it's like, what are you willing to forgive? What are you right. not willing to forgive? Like Zach and I saw Scream Six twice, and I think was it Alistair Zach that was like, okay, but she, that character wasn't strong enough to that. And we are both like, yeah, but in horror movies, you oh, just kind of yeah. like,
3: yeah. oh, you got to let that shit go with slashes all the time, Sc- right? Yeah, <laughs> in Scream Six, about every single character that lived in that movie should have should died. But, <laughs> but you know what? It's fine. <laughs> I look it over. <laughs>
0: But like, I do understand where that like maybe someone who isn't as forgiving like I do understand where that would like mm-hmm. bother them. But like, I feel like with screen movies, either you just have to get used you just to that. Let that like... go. <laughs> but like, I do understand why, like, as the fucking nerds that we all are. It's like you have the things you can forgive and Mm -hmm. have the things that, like...
3: Yeah, I I guess I just feel like, again, in this movie specifically, it's like, I don't want to nitpick about character decisions. I don't want to get Neil deGrasse Tyson over the character decisions in this movie. You can, and that's fine. It's just, I... Do you dare compare me to that man? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway.
1: Okay. So we, we see them kind of exploring a little bit. David is off on his own. He ends up finding. The ship is surprisingly musically oriented, so he's constantly activating things using either lights or music, and so he touches some stuff on the wall, and this sets off a kind of hologram memory where we see the engineers running from something, and the rest of the group decides that they're going to follow, and this is where we see the decapitated body of an engineer, so he's lost his head under a doorway, and this sends the film in sort of two different directions so Fifield and milburn decide they're out and they are going to go back to the ship there's some continuity issues with why they don't get back to the ship in time before the storm comes but the others press on (laughs) and they find a tomb full of sweating canisters all lined up in front of this giant human-like face statue
3: it's okay. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I, so much of my issues with the first time I watched this movie was because you know I was born and raised Catholic, and I'm not Catholic anymore, but I still like have religious proclivities.
0: <laughs> I hope I didn't, I didn't mean I didn't. I hope I like I didn't mean to like offend you. If that, oh, I didn't you mean have to, not like, Oh god, no. Okay, no, 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 I don't give okay. a
3: fuck. Um, I, I'm agnostic <laughs> now, but like, I. Okay. But the thing was that so much of my issue with this movie when I first watch was I refused to believe the engineers were actually like quote unquote bad beings. Oh, that wanted to destroy humanity because again, born and raised Catholic, I'm like God doesn't do that, like the creators of mankind don't want to hurt us, and so that's why I identify with Elizabeth Shaw so much, because even though I don't maintain a lot of my Catholic beliefs anymore I feel the same way she does where I'm like, well why the fuck did you create us? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. and why do you hate us why yeah. do you want to destroy like, us now what did we do and granted you go on Twitter for two minutes you understand why people want to destroy us <laughs> but, but but that's I guess that's why yeah, I, I relate so much I, I was so confused on a first watch because I was like wait 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 this movie is positing that mankind's creators are A fuck ups horrible human beings even the, the idea that they made this weapon of mass destruction and lost control of it it's like well God doesn't mm-hmm. do that God doesn't lose control so i don't know I, that, that's why i the more i watch the more fascinated i am by it
0: so did you not like it like when you first watched it or like that just bothered you but you still liked it it
3: wasn't a bothersome effect it was more so i was i you was confronted at, i was at a crossroad i didn't know what to think mm-hmm. because i was like i was confused when it ended because i was like wait what god is evil <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean the the funny thing is is that if you read it through elizabeth shaw's eyes the film suggests that this isn't god this is just another race and that there is still a potential god who created these characters right
2: that's where i fall with it is and and just from some stuff that ridley said in you know interviews and things like that is that there is like sort of a chain of creation and they Mm -hmm. haven't reached god yet yeah they haven't hit the top
3: yeah <laughs> okay, yeah. So Shaw, aim higher.
2: Higher, exactly. <laughs> no, she wants to go fuck up these ones. She's like, we're, we're taking these these <laughs> ships of mass destruction to their houses, knocking on their doors, and uh yeah, which it's is coming up, in, Shaw, essentially.
1: <laughs> Well, because that's where the paradise loss part comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so humanity is the offspring, humanity, who was expelled from the garden. And hypothetically, these engineers are kind of like the Adam and Eve, where they get the ball rolling with original sin. They move out of the garden because of something that they did, but they were still created by
2: something else. And it could also be like... (sighs) There's, there can be many reasons why they, they mm-hmm. would want to snuff these guys out, these these humans out, right? Um we know that they have been watching them for a very long time and visiting mm-hmm. them over time, right? Hence all the cave painting. Yeah, humanity is just self-destructive, right? So that could be a reason. It could also be a reason of we're seeing them advance too far, and we don't want them to advance that far. Yes. No, Mm. but but that's the thing. We are a failed experiment to them. Exactly. Yes. That's
3: why the conversation between Holloway and David is so important, where it's like – Because Shaw wants to believe we are here for a reason. They created Mm -hmm. us for a reason. And sometimes it's just, no, they created you because they could and they didn't like really how you turned out. So they're going to come kill you all.
1: Exactly. Earth was a petri dish and they decided the experiment went
3: badly. Yes. And that is such a horrifying concept. And again, if, if you are a really religious person, that can break your brain if you find out that that is what the whole deal is. Mm hmm.
0: I guess, and I'm so sorry that I keep, like, I feel like I'm, like, the, no. I'm shitting on this movie so much. That's I why do, you're I here. It. You're it's here to enjoyable. provide the
1: alternative point of view, Ian. <laughs>
0: I, I think, like, what you just said made me kind of realize they answer that question very early on, mm-hmm. and I just, mm-hmm. I also feel like not only was it said out loud in the movie, but it was very much shown to us. Like, that guy comes back, and he just kills them. So I I, I guess I think that's maybe a thing that bothers me, too, is, like, she had her question answered, but she's pretending she
1: did not. Exactly, because she can't accept it. Yeah. She won't accept it.
3: And that's human fallacy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like it, it, That's religious people.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let's not get that broad.
3: Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: I think part of this is that the religion definitely pays an aspect, particularly in the Shaw character. But this movie is also generally about human hubris like yes. we we dare to think that we deserve to conquer the stars that we have all of the answers because we are scientists and so on like these people shouldn't fucking be here because they don't know what they're doing and that's another reason why i accept all of their really illogical decisions because i'm like you are so proud and entitled because you think that you are at the top of the food chain
3: this movie presents that there are at least two levels above you oh and again you think you are so important you think that you, your existence means something when mm-hmm. in fact what this movie tells us
2: is your existence means nothing mm. exactly yeah i love that too though <laughs> i do too <laughs> so good. it just I, I always lean into a bleaker sort of answer ending question any of it you know and this just hits it's me tough, right, though, right? Like, like we're talking
1: it. about a summer blockbuster <laughs>
2: Dude,
1: that's just meant to be an alien prequel
3: <laughs> I, th- I think again I mean not to bring it back to Alien Covenant but I I agree with you there are I, I will watch this again having watched it so close to, see, to seeing Prometheus again but like I just like there's so much about that second movie that I'm like this feels stupider than a lot of what came before <laughs> 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 See,
1: I I always just focus so much on the David stuff in Covenant right. that that's where I'm willing to do my forgiveness of that film, Trace. It's the mm-hmm. way that you're overlooking the character uh, fallacies here. I right. I focus just on David mostly in Covenant. Well, the
2: problem sure. with Covenant, right, is that it feels like they, they had so many questions, so many answers, so many ideas in this one. And then they realized that that probably didn't work. And so for Covenant, they tried to right. strip it, but they, in essence, yes. stripped too much of it, you know?
3: And no, no, no. It's not that they really didn't work. It's that they they had so many online fans bitching about this movie. Mm -hmm.
0: The funny thing is, when Zach and I were talking about... So I've never seen Covenant. And he... What did you? I forget what you said. You're like, yeah, when David kisses David, and I was like, no, David, I mean, that's a joke, uh, They blow great. each
2: other's flutes, you know. Yeah, uh, they, uh, they sure and do. He asked me, he asked me if it gets if David gets gay, and I'm like, yeah, of course he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, and I was
0: like, <laughs> I was like, are you doing a bit? And he was like, nope. no, he does. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh shit. So watching that scene out of context was very the big. movie I wanted <laughs> after this
2: was was the the prologue they put out on YouTube. That's what I want yes. for the next mm-hmm. movie. Because mm-hmm. that has Shaw in it, too. It was Shaw and David, and it was supposed to be their discovery together. We were supposed yes. to write it, that, and we skipped New- it. Did Numi New- Reapace, New- is she in it? Well, yes. so here's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> she, she,
3: she's in it in a hologram,
2: but when, when we
3: actually meet her again in the film, she's already a corpse that David has
2: dissected. Yeah. She is in the prologue part, though, which is very much worth watching. Hmm. But but it's not in the movie. You have to go to no, YouTube no, no, no. You to have watch to go it. Go yeah. Yes, yes. I still, I, you know what? Let it live in my mind. Okay. Let me let me make it. Let me have it.
3: Yeah, it's no. canon. It's canonical. I, get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Honest, honestly, I think a big part of my issue with is I, I hate how dirty it does Elizabeth Shaw. Yes. Like, oh, it, yeah. It it really fucks over that character, and mm-hmm. I hate that we don't get to see what we we just get a body. In it. She
2: is a character yeah. that is willing to let go of any life that she. I mean, she already lost all of her most important parts of life right, right. she is she's willing to completely forego ever going back to earth again in search of answers and that is a character worth worth following for a bit and yeah. they just well, and don't I, give
3: that to us i find her so much more compelling than the catherine waterston character in that movie whose only personality trait is oh my god my husband james franco died
1: okay well she's, tell anyway, you what, we got a whole episode on it yeah, folks want to hear us talk about it
3: so. <laughs>
1: Okay, so uh, we're still in this tomb with all of these canisters. We realize, hey, they seem to be sweating and changing. Oh, it's because we opened a fucking door and the atmosphere has altered. Also, there's a giant silica storm coming. So we bag the head. We learn that we've got about
3: fifteen minutes to get back to the ship. Wait, but what do y'all think of the uh, the clear like uh, mural, three D mural of an alien queen on the wall here? Mm. I think
2: that's all the alien you needed in this movie. Well, but where does that come from? Uh, Deeper lore. I don't know. Something to explain outside of this movie. Mm -hmm. There you go.
3: Okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that because it kind of doesn't make sense if that's the engineer's Technically, the xenomorphs haven't happened yet,
3: right? Well, well but, 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 but what Zach just said, though, they, they've done the experiments presumably before this movie started because mm-hmm. that's another thing, too, is like, you know, th- they are running away from this thing because they lose control of this bioweapon. And granted, yeah, they already know to be afraid of it. Yes. And the bioweapon is what creates the xenomorph. So we can infer that this goo made a squid monster that therefore uh, facehugger uh, engineer and made a xenomorph, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which again is kind of like oh so this
1: isn't the origin story this is just an yes. origin story that we are seeing yes
0: so like that's what have you guys seen the annabelle first annabelle movie yeah, yeah. i promise i promise this will be relevant okay. that, like that's what bothers me about that is that it's like this is a prequel it's annabelle the origin and it's absolutely not she's just already there right and so like what is that fucking thing judge judy says Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's like, don't don't tell me it's a prequel and it's not a prequel. Like, it's I actually like that this movie is kind of not. But I hate that it was mostly billed that way, even if Ridley Scott's saying, no, it's not really. That is how it was like,
3: like promoted okay but alien uh, Annabelle creation is like the best movie in that trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't saying it isn't. He just says that he didn't like the way it was marketed.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think this is the problem with making these big franchise IP in a day and date where literally everything that happens is noteworthy on every website right like because these creators are constantly having to either do damage control because misinformation is getting out or they have to clarify because everywhere they go people say so what's happening with that annabelle prequel movie what's happening with the alien prequel
0: yeah yeah and like i mean that even happened with the star Yellow show wolfpack where it was like bold is like it's like a wolf. It's like a Teen Wolf sequel series, and the creator to be like, it, is, it not. is. not.
1: It has nothing to do with that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, but oh God, and that—that's an issue with the property's marketing department, and mm-hmm. yeah, and and specifically with those. I mean, I'm not saying go rewatch pack because I haven't seen it. I've heard it's bad, but mm-hmm. with something like this, it's where okay, a rewatch will maybe help you because then you're like, oh, okay, I know what the movie actually is now, what right. the marketing told me it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which
1: unfortunately is like the easiest way to process films or, or TV shows. But of course, you have to be willing to take on that workload of watching things
3: second times, third times, and so on. I will say I was surprised this movie was not two and a half hours long because I remembered it being two and a half hours long and yeah. it's a flat two.
0: A positive thing I'll say. Oh, I just raised my hand in real life because I was like, oh, good. I have something else to say. <laughs> pick Me, me, pick me. <laughs> I do think this movie, even though it is...
1: It flies by, right?
0: Yes, I think it doesn't – the beginning is a little slow, but I Mm -hmm. think that's fine for a beginning. Sure. Yeah. But I I think especially, like, I was like, oh, shit, we only have – I think at one point I said something to Zach. I was like, we're already at the abortion scene? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Once
2: we hit hit the uh, Vickers just incinerating Holloway from there to the end – It's like it's all action,
3: and and that's like the halfway point of the movie. I think it's an hour when that starts happening, and it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. we have an hour left, and we just fly to the credits. Yeah, Yeah.
1: guess what? We are nowhere near that point, so we're going to pick up the. (laughs) Oh my god, you're going to have to
3: you're going to abbreviate some things, Joe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, yeah, we have this dramatic race back to Prometheus. Shaw briefly makes sure that she gets the head, and Holloway gets really mad at her. There's actually deleted scenes where they get into more of like a spat about what she was willing to do to protect this head. And I think it does flesh out some of her character about, you know, yes, she will do whatever it takes. And you can see David making that kind of connection, you know, oh, she's
3: sort of like me in that I will do whatever it takes to achieve. Uh, But that that also probably gives fuel to his answer to David later, huh? Yes,
1: yeah, 100%. Mm hmm.
3: Okay, so Milburn and Fifield
1: are ordered to stay in the pyramid. This is something I've never understood, but yes, (laughs) they are
3: still there. Everybody else is back on the ship. Wait, I'm sorry, wait, what? Because there's literally a storm happening outside. They can't get out of there. But they left before everybody else uh, They they got lost. Oh, but that's the thing. They have mapping balls, but they Mm -hmm. still got lost. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) You just
0: answered your own question because, yeah, that that does bother me.
3: (laughs) You know what? Just because
1: you got pups doesn't mean you know how to use them.
3: But no, because they they found out that one of the balls had a glitch in it because it's stuck at a door. And they they just don't make it there. David makes it there.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... We have a moment where Ford, Dr. Ford, and Shaw work with the head. Really creepy imagery as they're trying mm-hmm. to activate it, and it's opening its eyes and moving its mouth, and then it just explodes on them. This is gross. Very yeah. gross. Love it. But also, I am totally with everybody who backs out of that room before they even start doing anything, because that thing is how how
3: old, and you're just randomly performing an experiment on it. Like, that's a... like. <laughs> this movie's horror adjacent, you know. I don't think it's a particularly scary. Like there are, the, the movie's not mentioned trying to scare you. It's a lot of the ideas that scare me in this movie. But honestly, it's it's these unknown fa- again, like fucking with this head, and I'm like, get out of the fucking room. It's gonna mm-hmm. like
2: radiate all of you. <laughs> but I mean, it just it, it like bring it back to real world, right? Like if you were if you mm-hmm. found you know the head of somebody from way back when, and it was completely they like, mm-hmm. they found bodies that are pre- preserved, right? Um.
1: And the first thing we do is excavate them. And like try but to what study if you them, could right? what if you could reanimate them, right?
2: Like you would yeah. be standing there laser focused on what this body is going to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And what it's going to tell you,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. And so they the ones who are really in on this mission, like like Shaw, sure. she's not about to like back away from me.
3: No. hmm
0: I like for me, that doesn't bother me. That tracks. Like the joke with my—I remember one time my friends were over in the fire when I lived in Astoria, and the fire alarm went off, and we were joking like, "Oh, what if there was a real fire?" And they're like, "You would die because you'd be collecting all of your shit, mm-hmm. not wanting to leave it behind." And I was like, "Yeah, I would. Yep. You're absolutely—that's right. me I too. Would be like, my computer, my action figures, my shoes, like I <laughs> my would, movies. I would not, yeah, like I. So I, I get that because like that's what she came there for. So I probably also might die in this like." <laughs> Storm booby trap thing, like trying to get the thing I came for.
3: But what you wouldn't do is touch a clearly dangerous alien snake. Oh my god! Yeah, no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about this creature design though? Like, I, I love it. I appreciate that the goo is icky, but then when this vagina dentata <laughs> snake fellas thing. To me, this creature design is so perfectly within the alien canon. Like, I love how it's crossing gender boundaries in its like design and aesthetic. And then when it opens up and Milburn is almost entranced by it, I'm just like, you know what? I know why this scene doesn't work for people because he's acting stupid. But I totally get how he would be so mesmerized because it's a brand new fucking species.
3: It also looks kind of
1: cute.
2: I mean, it kind of does. Uh, I'm not. No, I'm not there. I'm not, I don't think so.
0: I, I've critiqued their decisions, but I do agree with you. Like, I do think it makes sense that this scientist would be like... He's a
3: biologist, oh, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Like, would be like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like, that. for me, that bothers me more that they don't make it out first because it seems like it was just one straight tunnel. Right. That bothers me more than, like, him Fits. like being entranced by this yeah. because I do think... That makes sense, and I actually do think it leads to one of the Ugh. like. There's a lot of gross moments, but I think this is like a hard. This movie is scary. This, like this yeah. sequence yeah.
3: is so yes. fucking good. The I, honestly, what what the only thing I'm missing from this scene is a POV shot from inside his helmet as this thing is inside no. his helmet Ugh. It, like Ugh. watching it go down his throat is fucking terrifying and then you have Fifield who goes face first into this black goo which then melts, melts. his helmet onto mm-hmm. his skull yeah, yeah. it's it's almost cosmic horror except that they're actually on a planet surface no but, uh, honestly joe i didn't even think about that but yes because so much of this movie is about the unknown the problem the problem quote-unquote problem is that all these characters are fascinated by the unknown whereas <laughs> all of us viewers are like no no no, no you they should be they need a scared. healthy dose of get the fuck out of there
1: oh <laughs> Um, yeah, so while all of this shit is happening, we're also like this is technically we're cross cutting back and forth between stuff on the ship and stuff here. So we do get Yannick and Vickers hooking up. We also get David sort of doing his mind fuckery with Holloway and poisoning his drink with this uh, single drop of black oily whatever the fuck
3: man it, it <laughs> so yeah you because know, they were filming this for page 13 for most of the time so you know if they knew they were filming this for an r rating we'd get a sex scene here yeah um, yeah, actually, yeah.
0: I, I read something that they did film like maybe like at the end of a sex scene between mm-hmm. idris elba and charlie is
3: um would watch
0: yeah like I, mean, I, I think she like there was something about like what she said about being nude in the movie and then there's no nude scene so it's right. like where was it yeah
3: yeah, this feels
1: extremely underdeveloped. They actually have a whole sequence after she burns up Fifield in the deleted scenes where she talks about, you know, like she's basically suffering from shock and a little bit of PTSD. And Yannick goes yeah. into like his background as like a military operative on another mission and they have like this really important human moment, but they said that it was coming at a place in the film where, as we just said, the action is really ramping up and it's a race to the finish. So they thought it was great character work, but it it killed the pacing of the God film. So they cut it. it.
3: But see though, that sounds really good. Like I oh, I have to go yeah. through these extra scenes because that that's something I would have loved, not even for Theron's character, but for Elba's
1: character. Oh, he, it's his scene too. God.
3: And I, I do
0: think with, like, even though he's not in it that much, I do find him charming. Like, I no. think because he's such a good actor. He's yeah.
1: Idris you know? Elba, of Oh, I thought you were like, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I fucking love Idris Elba. <laughs> he's hideous. Ew.
3: <laughs> yes, he's that attractive hideously attractive. <laughs> That's the Uber.
1: <laughs> um. Okay, so... I think one of the best shots in this movie is when Holloway wakes up in the morning and he checks his eye Ugh. in the mirror and you can oh, see yeah. the little black sperm thing.
3: I hate eye stuff, so yeah, that, like... hmm It... Oh God. Like, it's... Because it, it's so quick. And his eyes aren't, like, completely bloodshot yet, but, like, you just see that flick of a worm tail come out of it's his eye. eye. And it's just... It is...
1: <laughs> it's horrifying it's it's, so it, it's a nightmare right if that happened to you you would be flipping your shit
2: well and this is the place and the situation you do not want anything happening to you You do not want to see no. like any sort of like you don't want to get anything on your skin you don't want to get little Mm-mm. things in your eyes you, nothing Mm-mm. right because you this everything everything is so foreign on this planet that it just is a nightmare
0: and then the person who's, like, the owner of the ship will light you on fire. <laughs> Which is
2: why he's, like, so scared it's to true. tell anybody and doesn't say it to yeah. anybody. Uh, yeah. I will say, though, because
3: his infection is so fast. Like, yes. this movie wastes love
2: no Because
3: fun- in Alien, you know, oh, like, they bring on John Hurt and he's got a thing on his head. And, oh, my God, like, we had to spend time studying. No, 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 no. This fucker <laughs> gets infected and he is, like, done. He's done. done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I feel like we even accelerate that more in Covenant, too, yes, right? Like well, that's people what get I was infected with the spores mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. done. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's the way to speed you because we have to get sped up at some point, right? And so, like him getting infected yeah. is the same as Covenant when they get infected, it's then speeding up the story and speeding up the action and creating that urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the two characters that create the urgency. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: We go back to the ship because we've got to collect Milburn and Fifield, but they're not responding. And of course, David ominously wishes everybody good luck. And he's off doing his own side project, discovering the alien bridge. He's looking at this uh, holographic map of the cosmos, which I think it's, I hesitate to say understated because I actually think it's quite spectacular, but I could see people saying like, oh, well, why does this matter? Why do we care about what David's off to the side doing? That's
2: a, uh,
0: I don't think yeah. that, if JC you were like, does Ian think that? No, <laughs> I, uh, <yeah.
3: laughs> Ian, what are you thinking? Ian, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I feel like you think I'm attacked, I'm coming, I've got an out for you, I don't have an out for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I just know that I, like I've been like, I'm, I'm trying not to be negative, I feel like I've been like too negative. You're so a I hater, hate it's out. okay <laughs> to admit that.
3: <laughs>
1: So so we barely have time to discover these bodies. And then that's when Holloway's infection really kicks in. And we're seeing dark veins. He's barely able to walk. So we are rushing back to Prometheus. And yeah, we don't really make it. Because by the time he gets back to the ship, Vickers is ready for him. And he decides to martyr himself because he realizes he's
2: so far gone. And she's, she's right. Uh, yeah. And he does her a huge she favor is. because she is right. And she, as as... The boss of this ship cannot let him on because you don't know mm-hmm. what that's going to spread into. If he's going to like throw up on the ground, and then anybody who slips in it is going to, you know, you just don't know. And this was the biggest risk that they all knew that they were taking going out into this foreign mm-hmm. land, and and not knowing what is going to happen to you. Right, um, and she was right. the only one that seemed to remember that. Well, and what I love, the, again, so
3: I, we mentioned you know, this is the scene that's lifted from Alien, right? Because in Alien, right. John Hurt gets the face I grew on and they're like, bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. And so in this movie, we have Charlize Theron, the ostensible villain of the film, who is like, uh no, we're we're not bringing this fucker on. Whereas an alien, that's Ripley who's making that decision. She right. is saying, "Do not bring this fucker on this ship." And I love that parallel because we're we're like, "Oh, Shaw is the Ripley of this movie," when actually it's Vickers who has a lot of Ripley traits. Would you call Shaw mm-hmm.
2: the Ripley of this movie? I don't know, or I guess in 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 terms of you know your forefront character, right? But right, right. I mean, it's every alien movie that they have there. They're characters that have little Ripley traits, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely Vickers in this one.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it it almost feels like we're trying to divide our Ripley sensibilities, right? We're giving Shaw the majority of the screen time and most of the quote-unquote agency, but Vickers has a lot of Ripley's steeliness and her desire to survive at all costs. Yeah. Which is why I think the ending is a little bit disappointing. That it's like you want both of these women to yeah, to effectively yes. win because yeah. they're both right in a lot of ways. Yes.
0: <laughs> and I mean, like you said, one of you said earlier, like she does have like you know I love a Cordelia Chase and like,
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: but like that character's smart, right? Like that's the, like that's what we like about those characters that people like underestimate. The fact that like, oh, because they're like biting and like Mm -hmm. fashionable and whatever. It's like, oh, well, then they're not smart enough to survive, but they are.
3: Meredith is focused on self-preservation. And unfortunately, in this movie and many movies about people that are very much about self-preservation, it makes them the bad guy because they are not they don't want to save other people. They focus on saving themselves first. And what I love about that is we're call I'm calling her a villain, which I don't even mean to. To me,
2: Meredith isn't even a villain. She's human. She wants to save herself. Yeah. Yeah. Well and if she doesn't save herself, how is she gonna help anybody else? You know? How is she gonna if she's not there, she can't direct anybody, you know? And (laughs) Zach, you're almost summarizing RuPaul. Uh, I was gonna say if you
1: you can't save the Prometheus, how the hell are you gonna save the rest of the galaxy?
2: (laughs) Um, uh, Well, she's not just there to be the bitch, right? She's there, she has a purpose, she has a job and that's and she's gonna take it seriously, right? She doesn't know these people. She's the most relatable character in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's there for the money. She wants to get home. She doesn't want any
2: of the science nonsense. If she, Z- told me annoyed. that they're going to crash the spaceship, then I, I might feel a sense of panic and need to... Get into an yeah.
3: escape pod. Or you just sit on his monster cock first. Wow. Well, <laughs> sure hey. She did that. She did it. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to do it again. again.
1: <laughs> Look, if we're going to talk about sex, let's talk about the after effects because we are up Ugh. to this self abortion, baby. And I have Oof. never seen a back alley abortion quite like this Oof. before.
3: Oof. Yeah. This is so good. Honestly, it's not even the abortion itself that gets me. It's where she's stitching herself up and this thing is still flailing around mm-hmm. in her right tube.
4: There, it
2: is her acting Uh, that oh just she's fantastic in this scene the the grunting the like i I don't know like you know all of the perspiration on her all of the shaking all of uh her doubling over you know when she doubles over you feel it you know yes it's a (laughs) really good physical performance from rapace for the
1: rest of the film because she's hurting like she literally gave herself surgery And then has to keep running and jumping and fighting.
2: (laughs) You notice everybody keeps hitting her in the stomach right
3: after this, too. Yup. But but that's something that the Honest trailer points out. It's like, and she will give herself a surgery that will hurt a lot when standing. Except not running, jumping, or (laughs) rappelling. And then it shows her, like, doing all these action things that are not hurting her. But when she's just standing there, she's like, oh!
1: (laughs) But one of the things I notice is... I never noticed it until this rewatch. She is constantly dosing herself with painkillers. You see her inject herself with these things about six or seven times
2: after this. Yeah. Basically until she loses it, right? Until it's out of her hand Mm -hmm. and she she just can't anymore. Um, Well, and it's so funny because, you know, Alien is a
3: fantastic film. It's a perfect film. But the the scene that everyone remembers is the chestburster scene. And so... Mm -hmm. I don't think any, and I prefer Aliens to Alien personally, but I don't think anything in any of these films matches the impact of the chestburster scene. Right. And I think this is the scene that comes the closest to it. Yes. Absolutely. Mm,
1: No, I would still say the backburster in Covenant for me, but maybe that's just because they are so similar.
2: Okay, well, uh, at this point in time, before Covenant comes out. I don't know, even with Covenant, I think of it, even with the backburster, I think this is, uh, this is yeah, no, I think this is it. This is second to the yeah. Uh The other
1: thing I would like to do, just because we are recording this at a certain political moment in time... I think it's very interesting that Dr. Shaw is basically told by medical professionals that she's not able to look into her own care, so she takes it into her own fucking hands and gets herself an abortion.
3: Ooh, and to have it be a woman of faith, too. Well, there's the different
2: ways to look at it, right? Because if we're looking at David as sort of the queer one, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Shaw is the, I don't know, quote-unquote conservative, um, yeah. you know, he's telling her, no, you have to be pro-life, right?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's a
2: really interesting sort of like flipping it all. So subversion,
3: yeah. Ah, yeah. I, honestly, it's so funny. As many times as I've referred to the scene as the self-abortion scene, I've never been like, "All right, she's the she's the quote unquote as you said, that conservative one of the group." Even though I think she would love us, spaghets. Yeah, um,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> absolutely.
0: Meredith would have more fun with us, though. No, oh, <laughs> true.
3: Sounds great. We
1: would Sounds kiki great. with with Vickers, and then you know we'd go to brunch. Which uh,
0: yeah, Mer- Vickers would have the Coke. Oh fuck! Yes, she would
3: have the Coke.
1: <laughs> Oh, look at how look at how she treats her body. She gets up and she does push-ups
2: because Those she's been doing do cocaine yeah. at night. <laughs> have you never been to LA? I have not. It's part of David's care instructions for Vickers when she's in cryosleep. It's oh my just god. a little bit of a little bit of wide on the nose. Ian, what you're saying is you
3: partake in cocaine frequently, so you're a cokehead. Oh my god. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> So this are you saying I have abs? Thank you. <laughs> oh. um, you mean the abs like the engineers in this movie? I wish. Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> I was shocked to learn it's two different people. I thought it was just the same guy, but yeah, it's two different actors. The abs are like totally fake, though, right? Those are just like body prosthetics. Yeah, those are. Costumes, I have to yeah. imagine. Yeah. yeah. So this, to me, is the definition of a studio note. This next moment, okay. uh, <sighs> this is when Fifield returns the sequence is fine it's exciting we get a bunch of people that don't matter and didn't have character names who just die unceremoniously but this feels like can we put another action scene into the film
2: and we didn't yep. need it. I like We this. had... I, I like we it. it. We didn't. We had Holloway, and that felt very... And you had pointed out that you thought Holloway and this were like the same thing, right?
0: Yes, I did, yeah. They are
2: kind of the same thing already. And right, if you cut out this... It, it's like, do with or do without. It doesn't really matter, but without, yeah. I think the action still stays at a steady pace.
0: I think we needed, though, we needed to see more faceless crew members die, because it doesn't make sense that there's no one else on the ship. right. You know what I mean? Like, I do think we needed,
3: like, a, a
2: massacre. <laughs> like, to, like, why aren't like, be any like, yeah, other it's only objecting to this?
3: Like, We're not killing yeah. 15 people. We're only <laughs> well, sacrificing Okay, three. wait. So, w- would this scene be fixed for all of you if it was Holloway who didn't burn to death and is somehow mm. still alive and becomes a zombie? Yes. That
1: would have been, yeah. I think, more interesting and maybe
2: more impactful.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that.
2: But then you needed the moment with
3: <sighs> yes. with, yeah, with with you had to have the
2: emotional Witnessing moment with Shaw. Yes, so yeah. mm, I don't know because
0: mm. I don't think it'd be as impactful if she's not there. Mm.
1: Yeah. Unless she can see how far gone he is. Like if she was able to see all of this yeah. and then ooh, he see? ends up getting burned and destroyed and then she faints and then we go into the abortion
2: scene. What stage. if she is like currently doubling over as he is doubling over? He turns into this big thing, she's trying to hold him back, but she can't really like physically stand up and as well, they incinerate ooh. him and he after he kills everybody, like they have to pull her away and take her to medical bay. But that's why I think I think if we had Holloway return and this was
3: his scene too, we would have to have Shaw be the one to kill him. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't think so.
1: <laughs> I don't know if she would ever get to that point. Yeah. Does She She doesn't kill anyone in this movie.
3: I mean, she does kill Vickers by not telling her to run <laughs> to the side.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she really says nothing. Yeah. Run, bitch! Meredith! <laughs> Meredith!
4: <laughs>
0: she's like well stay blessed i'm rolling out of the stop way stop drop and roll <laughs> meredith <laughs> oh
1: my god uh so speaking of truly horrific things in this film this is when we discover that waylon aka the guy pierce character is actually still alive and he has the most disgusting Feet. looking features ever seen
2: the worst fa- thing yeah. you've seen in this movie there's oh. not a thing worse than that.
1: i want to hear from the foot fetishes did you get turned on by this
4: Ian <laughs> was Mr. McQueen <laughs> buying us. Oh
1: my god, we're so mean to Ian.
0: Listen, <laughs> I I actually thought you were gonna say this felt like a studio note. The feast? Because I,
2: I, no. <laughs> it could be. Who is who is on this project? Let's look. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I feel like Guy Pierce feels like such a. It feels like an addition, an afterthought into the movie. And I just, I don't think we needed him. Mm. I think it could have been like, this has been Meredith's plan of the lawn. She's been waiting for this to happen. Uh. She, her father told her she had to meet the dumb engineer guys. Sure. Right. And like, she begrudgingly goes because that's what the mission is. I don't think we needed him because he dies like, Seven well, minutes later.
3: Well, but but okay, but so Ian, I I'm I even disagree with your frustration on this because I kind of agree with you. Um, this feels like a remnant of Spates' script, what yes. which was a direct mm-hmm. alien prequel that we kept after Lindelof got a hold of it. I have more of a struggle finding meaning in why it matters that Vickers is his daughter because it doesn't mm, really come yeah. to anything outside of the fact where it's like, okay, so this is why she's kind of a bitch i guess because her dad sucks but it it doesn't really add but honestly my bigger issue is the fact that like i don't understand why we have guy pierce playing this role when we could have just cast an elderly actor and you know this is coming in the wake of the pearl and x and maxine stuff but i would argue that at least with that they had an idea in mind that they were going to do a prequel this doesn't make any sense why we have guy pierce i have to (sighs) imagine that like they had him in mind, In mind for, for
2: the future, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, may. Oh, thank you, Zach. Actually, you may be hundred percent right. I think Wait, so, but
0: I, but I do remember. I'm I'm googling it right now. I do remember reading that he had filmed a lot more huh. of like the like the hologram that we see. Mm. Like there actually was more of that, and that's why mm. they cast him. But then it was mostly cut. Well, oh, I I think it is.
3: I think the prologue to Covenant, like the opening scene, is guy pierce making david it is yeah
0: it is wild they got those actors that come back for a fucking youtube video
1: well, well this is in the
2: movie this one is like oh, yeah, the beginning this, of
1: the movie this is how covenant opens mm-hmm. is more about oh, uh, like how Wayland decided to make david and for what
3: but it it honestly feels like it could have been filmed for this movie and then used to open that film but 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 ian to your point though i do think they probably told Numi rapace that it was going to be in the movie <laughs> <laughs> and then they did not put it Fair. in the movie.
2: Um, but wow. I do think they, they I, I do think they need him in this because we're talking creator creation, right? And, and David needs to see his creator yeah. snuffed out so easy like that, right? And I, I get that, but I feel like why was it a
0: secret that he was on the ship?
1: Yeah, that feels like one of those things where it's meant to be twisty, yeah. right? Like we oh, didn't need the has been alive this whole time, but it doesn't have that kind of
3: impact in the actual film. Well, e- even when she's like, "Okay, beat, beat,
2: beat father."
3: <laughs> when he plays the music.
2: <laughs> hold it. Hold it. We have stacked like reveals too, right? Like because yeah. I'm yes. pretty sure like you're supposed to think Vickers is probably a robot or whatever. Yeah. Oh, because he does ask her. Are you an android? Yeah. yeah and <laughs> we The reveal is that she's not. No, the reveal is that she's the daughter. Yes, the reveal is that he's on board, right? It's like we don't right. need stacked on stacked on stacked twists. We just didn't. We could have – if we're going to go with Vickers as the daughter, do that from the beginning. and It, it, it right, doesn't right. really affect the plot at all.
1: I do agree yeah. with you though, Zach. I. I don't think Waylon himself is that important, but I think he's important to what it tells us about Vickers and more specifically, David. Like it is really setting up this idea that, oh, we've got father figures that disappoint us, which anticipates what Shaw is going to go through. But also it sets David up to say, oh, I am superior to these people. Like because I'm not human doesn't
2: mean that I'm worse than them. I'm actually better. And David knows that. And that's why he leads him to his certain death, right? He knows that he's yes. going to be – that he's nothing and that he is going to be snuffed out. And and David, yeah. David wants to actively see this.
1: So question for you folks then. So they, they end up going back to the ship. Shaw hatches this kind of not great plan with Yannick that we're not going to let these weapons of mass destructions back on board the ship. Okay, we're in agreement. But we get over there. We reanimate this cryostasis engineer who is played by Ian White this time. Do you think it's surprising that we don't get alien closed captions so that we can understand what David is saying and vice versa? I kind of like it without.
0: Well, did you guys, there is like a a version, right? I don't fully understand because I'm not that smart, but like (laughs) I was looking up and it's like they use some kind of old dialect that is actually real. Yeah, and there actually is, like, he just asks him exactly what Guy Pierce says. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay. I wasn't sure if we were meant to infer there was some sort of nefarious conversation oh, going on. No,
3: I, 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 I absolutely read this as exactly what Ian just said. Um, I just, uh, I feel so robbed of an answer here. But again, I feel like that's the point. Right.
0: I, yeah, I. I guess I'm just like... I don't know. I have watched
3: a lot of Twin Peaks. Like I don't know. I
0: get it. <laughs> I don't need answers all the time. No, no,
3: no, but, no. But yeah. because the answer is simple, right? The the answer is that they don't view humans as, I'm gonna say they don't view humans as people. But like they don't view humans as anything right. that's no, significant you're... whatsoever. Right. They're lab rats. They are. We, we are lab rats to the engineers, and that's it. And unfortunately, that is an unsatisfying answer for anyone seeking mm-hmm. meaning in life. Yeah. I guess. I I
0: guess like. It's not even that I don't... That feels like Ridley Scott and Damon Lindelof. Like, they're in their Drag Race finale, and they're pulling off their wigs and glitters flying
4: out. And they're like,
3: "Ah, (laughs) No! "Ah, Look how how good we are. And it's like... "Ah." No, I think it's them saying, what would you do if you found out that your life had no fucking meaning or purpose? Because that is what this movie tells you.
0: Well, so... I I don't mind that, but it's the fact that we do nothing with that. The The way we go with that is that Shaw is like, yeah, let's find more of these people. And it's like,
2: but we, well, got, uh,
0: we got it. The answer is nothing. There, there was
2: supposed to be a grander plan, right? Like, we just, we have to remember that. There, there right, was yeah. this grander plan being set up. And unfortunately, we didn't see all of that plan realized. And so now we have this that does feel like, okay, well, what, why? Yeah.
1: I can definitely appreciate how... It can feel a little unsatisfying, I think, if only because it's incredibly confronting to see right. this hundred and thirty million dollar summer action blockbuster say, "Oh well, the answer is this Debbie Downer. Nothing really matters," and that's very unusual. as As an audience, we're like, "Wait,
3: what?" <laughs> yeah, it's anti summer blockbuster.
1: Yeah. But I can understand that it also sort of feels like, well, wait, so what was the purpose of the film then? Like, we didn't get any kind of catharsis, which is the point, but it doesn't mean I can understand why people would find it unsatisfying.
3: Oh, again, I found it unsatisfying. But again, in the 11 years since this film's released, I'm like, oh, but that's what that's the point it's the point
2: <laughs> i mean yeah I and mean, like the message of like focus on focus on the meaning of your life rather than the meaning of life right. you know right she could have very well stayed on earth and lived a really nice life
3: yeah she could have gone back to earth and been like look i just saved all you fuckers so i'm gonna do something else <laughs> in my time to make your lives better instead <laughs> i'm gonna be selfish and go look for an, a demand an answer from our creators <laughs> She well i mean she's not incredibly selfish because she still does make sure
1: that this payload doesn't get back to earth right? right Right. so you know shaw flees after the engineer kills a bunch of people and then he tries to take off and she deliberately messages yannick and says hey i can't do anything because i'm trapped in the middle of some kind of like earthquake can you please take care of this
3: <laughs> and Charlize Theron is like, what? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will live in space. <laughs> She's like, give me the fucking pod. I felt nothing for you, Idris Elba. That's
1: too funny. You were a great lay, but now I've got to go. Sorry.
2: <laughs> and she, listen, she didn't even like, because she didn't have time to sit and think, right? But what happens if you if you escape and you, you're on this, like, because it's what, two years? She has two years of like food yep. and water and all this. Right. Okay, <laughs> like, what if nobody comes for you? So you just yeah die. but she doesn't have time to think about that uh, she's so the
1: she's head like, of a, she's like the ceo of a major
3: company so, so she's
2: going to page them on her apple watch like wood but th- but that's the risk you take
3: zach <laughs> you can either die right now or maybe die two years from uh, now it's just mm-hmm. i think
2: that's a really good moment i think she does the best job as like fear of death you know like, like oh, oh, charlie saren's
3: best performance hands down this moment right here <laughs> they're, they're oscars <laughs>
0: The thing I like about it is that, like, she's annoyed by it. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing? This is my ship. (laughs) She's like, ugh. As she's running away, she literally
1: groans in annoyance. So relatable. I love that. Yes. She's doing that thing she doesn't want to have to do. It's like when you have to get up early so that you can go and run an errand. Ugh, come on! Yeah, Joe, I have
3: never gotten up early to go run an errand. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, no, <laughs> Trace.
0: I can is. feel your like finger quotes as you said. What is an errand, errand, corner
1: errand corner. that you're? Wait, Trace, you you got to do it like charlie's would do it. I have never gotten up and run an. In... Aaron. <laughs> we gotta have
0: we gotta have the Amadeus music come in when you say it
1: though. <laughs> uh. Okay, so she gets out. Yeah, uh we've got Chance and Ravel and Yannick dying by suicide, destroying this alien horseshoe, which immediately crashes <laughs> back down to the earth. <laughs>
3: An alien horseshoe. <laughs>
1: And then we got our two ladies making a brave run for it, and everybody just goes, "Go left or
3: go right, ladies." The, again, my last honest <laughs> trailer reference. It's just like when they're when they're introducing the cast, and they're like, "We have this and this," and then it goes to the trailer and goes, "And an idiot woman who can only run in straight lines." <laughs> so rude. I just love Don't idiot do Vickers woman. dirty like that. <laughs> uh, but
0: I I I like again. I love slasher movies, so I'm very forgiving of people mm-hmm. like. Not fully like, OK, yeah, maybe like whenever people are like, oh, that was stupid. And it's like, no, but you wouldn't do that. You don't know what you would do if a well, monster was chasing
3: you. OK, wait, I, I have an answer for this and it's not going to be a satisfying moment. My answer is this. You're in the moment as Charlie's theorem, and you know that running to the left or the right is taking up time as this thing is closing down on you because mm-hmm. and so they're very close to where this thing is. And so. I believe that Charlie's Theron was thinking, if I turn, it's going to hit me. Diagonal. Yeah, just do Well, diagonal. okay, but it, if I turn <laughs> diagonally, <laughs> it's going to hit me.
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Here's the thing. In 2094,
2: people can't run diagonally It's anymore.
3: geometry. It's it geometry. A, it
2: just is a thing in the movie, and it's funny to watch. It it's ends. funny to make fun of, but like, it's a thing in the it movie. Is. It's a thing that takes her character out, and it just is what it is.
3: I wonder if it's a statement, though, of how like she is so... Because we we make a point earlier how she's so prepared, right? She has this fucking lifeboat. She has this amazing suite. She is ready to survive at all costs. And what is her undoing is ultimately a really stupid fucking decision. To me, it's
2: ironic, and that's what lets me overlook this. There you go. Or she's trying to be straight so hard that, you know, (laughs) she can't run in any other direction but straight.
3: There you go. Wow. I love I'm so that so
2: tightly.
0: <laughs> I guess to me, it like, I mean, I, I say this so much, but like, it reminds me of like Gail Weathers. It's like, yeah, she wasn't punished for being like looking out for herself mm. and like look. Like, I I do feel like Vickers, if she had survived and it was her and um, Shaw, mm-hmm. I I think it would have boosted because I I do love this end. I think all of this is like happened so fast and so entertaining, mm-hmm. and for me, that is the only like. We'll put a pin in that. And come back to that for like the last like forty minutes because it's also enjoyable. But then, like I'm okay with some of the other stupid decisions, like while I'm watching it. But that's the only one that je- like in the theater, and I never have that reaction where I was like, "Why the fuck isn't she running sideways?" Yeah, like,
3: yeah. I-, I I will say though that um like there are certain types of deaths that really like disturb me. And someone getting crushed. Yeah. uh, I I find deeply upsetting. So even though, yes, that's a really stupid decision, um, having her like literally laid on the ground like, no, 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 no. And then I'm glad we don't see her get squashed. But I I have this image of Charlize Theron literally like popping like a balloon. Oh. (laughs) lord
1: (laughs) it's also it's the inevitability right like there's a moment where shaw is running and the ground is separating so that the alien spaceship can fly out and she makes this desperate jump and she just Mm -hmm. barely makes it and it's those moments where you know they're standard action movie cliche but that kind of stuff people you know nearly getting crushed or making a last minute escape I like the way that it makes me feel. Like, it, it gets my yeah. adrenaline rushing. But, yeah, I think it's just because we actually like Vickers, and we <laughs> like Charlie's Theron, except for you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we don't want this fate for her, and it feels stupid for a character that we think would have gotten out of this. Yeah,
2: uh-huh. Well, they should have just taken her out in a different way then, right? Because the point exactly. is, at the end, Sean David. Um, they could have easily had her pod, like, Blow up. me. She could have just something. been crushed when it falls to the well, ground, and then well, maybe have she's like Shaw stuck run. in her pod, right? And
3: then she can't get out, and it rolls over. Right. I was gonna say it would make sense for the engineer to take her out, but no that 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 that's her dad's mm, dad. No. That's the engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I I almost appreciate the irony that I mentioned earlier, though, that it's something so stupid <laughs> that takes yeah. her out because she is a very smart character.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. You would be forgiven for mistaking this as the climax of the movie. It is not. Shaw has to get into this escape pod, and then this is where we learn that the Engineer is actually coming for her, and we get this showdown between Vagina Dentata Giant versus the Engineer,
3: and I really like this. Yeah. Oh, there was a close-up of Vagina Dentata's mouth Mm -hmm. that is one of the most creepy things I've seen in a movie in a very long time. Um, it looks fan- – it's a, it's a giant facehugger. That's what this is. It is, yeah. I love this.
2: Well, there's a moment where there's a shot where um, he's got his, like, legs braced on either side of the door. Yes. and Like, it's coming at his crotch, too. And that just, you know, mm-hmm. sends shivers down. Um, but then it goes <laughs> for his face, and facehugs him, and, you know, all the good stuff that comes with that this thing rapes him hardcore
4: oh
1: yeah yeah it it's very disturbing i mean it's always disturbing to see something go in someone's mouth when they have not given consent but in this case it's it's because he's so big you know this thing is also very very large at this point who knows how it got so big but uh (laughs) it's just the image of him struggling so mightily like you said zach he's got his legs braced against the fucking yeah. door he's massive and then the minute that thing gets the pincer into his mouth he just goes completely limp and it ends up being like a lover's embrace as this thing just crawls on top of him it's nasty
3: but also not the end of the movie <laughs> it's still not the end of the movie
1: Mm-mm. <laughs> So Shaw has once again bailed. She's she's really good at knowing when to get the fuck out of Dodge. So she's like, well, I guess I'll just die outside. This is when David bids her, hey, you could come and there's more ships in here. So she ends up rappelling down. She goes in and she says, I will do this, but you have to promise to take me to the aliens home world so that I can get answers from daddies. And he says, all right, stupid bitch, let's fly off. Well you
2: have to imagine that he probably knew she was gonna say something like that. Right. Like oh, he wasn't wanting to go. He's home. read her like a yeah, book. Actually he knows exactly yeah. what to do to manipulate her. Well,
3: and it's really her fault for trusting his fucking ass, because as we will find out in five years <laughs> he will dissect her fucking ass. <laughs> A really wonderful. Wanted... Is, it,
0: is, it, <laughs> is it that he kills her or that he dissects her once she Well, dead?
3: so here's the thing. It's just so unceremonious. Well, I, I, I thought that he killed her and then dissected her. The Wikipedia summary for Alien Covenant says that she dies upon impact when they land on this planet and then he dissects her. I mm, I don't, don't buy that. I don't, I don't buy, buy that, that either. either. I, I, I don't I,
2: think the film supports that. Yeah.
3: I think it's heavily implied that he kills her. He, he was waiting her. to
2: put her in cor- cryosleep. She goes into cryosleep, yeah. and then he does what he needs to, right? And she, in essence, becomes yeah. an alien queen. Um, not like living, mm-hmm. but she is like you know the first of
3: that species. Yeah, she she, she basically bursts the first xenomorph, but like it's all off screen. Like it happens before Covenant starts.
2: But see, we mm-hmm. deserved That's- a a. Gay and a fag hag movie
3: You know on yes. a road trip right. Spaceship yes. trip Yes I, I, I get why we didn't get that But yeah and, and that's what we were saying earlier Where it's like it feels like there's a movie missing Between Prometheus and Covenant Because Because just just because <laughs> It's because we needed to get to aliens <laughs> Yeah 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 And granted if you want aliens Covenant has them in spades yeah. Oh yeah. yeah They're all CGI but they are there. But they're not even those
2: aliens. They're different aliens. they're yeah, not they're even protomorphs xenomorphs. or whatever. Yeah. Neomorphs. Yeah.
1: Well, and that takes us into the final scene of this mm-hmm. film, which is that we do get to see one come out of the engineer, and this looks very different from a lot of the other aliens that we have seen, a lot of the other xenomorphs. So what do you folks think of this biped that has a kind of like weird double retractable jaw?
0: I I do want to say I think that's what, when we talked about the alien queen being in the like engineer room, Mm -hmm. that's what bothers me about it. Because for me, because it looks different, this feels like, Oh, we're just starting with
1: this this." is the first one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they're trying to tell us this is the first one. So then it's like, well, then why the fuck is a, is a queen painted on the, the, the wall? Well,
3: I, I, I always wrote off the different appearance of this thing because it was a face, a different kind of face hugger. Mm -hmm. Doing it to an engineer, not a human being, even though we we have established that we share the same DNA as the engineers. Right. But, yeah, I I, I, I almost take the mural from earlier. Like, I don't believe this is the very first Neomorphian, you know, whatever the fuck of its kind. I believe that it's happened before because they were doing experiments. This was their planet to do experiments on with this bioweapon. So I just think maybe, I don't know, they saw they, they birthed one or more of these things and then killed them. And maybe, I don't know, drew a mural of like what they envisioned for <laughs> what this race to look like. I, I'm clearly connecting a lot of dots that are not existent here, but yeah. that's just what I'm doing. Either that or it's
1: just, hey, it's an Easter egg for people yep. who were observant yeah. and looking at a certain part of the
2: screen at the well, right time. Well, somebody said earlier, right, that it's an origin story, not that origin story. Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> not gonna sell you on it ian. <laughs> on that note that is uh i was gonna say alien comment. that is prometheus um zach and ian final
2: thoughts on prometheus okay uh i love this movie i think when you think too much on it when you're sitting and thinking uh, and trying to connect dots it does it can drive you a little crazy you know and right. seeing that potential but when you just sit there and you kind of you're able to turn your mind off just a little bit it's a really enjoyable watch um, we didn't even get into all of the queer coding in it but you know David incredibly queer coded Meredith Vickers as the rejected qu- child you know incredibly queer coded mm-hmm. um, all of the Ripley projections onto different characters in this movie the you know idea of creator and creation and uh, uh, the creation rebelling and, and forging their own path you know very very queer and it's I don't know. I like Ridley Scott stuff because of that, because there always seems to be a little bit of that sort of drama in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I think it's like very cinematography is beautiful. I think the movie looks incredible. I cannot, I cannot say, it, I cannot like praise it enough for how it looks. Like I think everything you said makes sense about like how they had to light it and whatever because they shot it in three D. That makes so much sense because it looks. Everything looks so crisp in this movie. And I think for me, I like it better. Not that I like it better than Aliens, but I like the idea of something that's like more Star Trek looking, having a horror mm-hmm. thing happen mm-hmm. to it where it's like so pretty. And then when the blood's spilling, it makes it look almost more horrific because it's like, oh, this was a beautiful set. But now that person's guts are on the wall. <laughs> um, So I, I do really like that. I just feel like it's like the beautiful gowns of like the Alien series where it's like, yeah, everything looks pretty. Everything looks great. The action scenes are so fun. But like, I don't know. I, I'm less forgiving if it's like, well, it falls apart if you think about it. Like for me, I'm yeah. like, well, it shouldn't. right? And that's like what bothers me. And it doesn't bother me as much if I don't notice it in the movie, but I noticed it in the theater watching. Right. Um, so that's like. I'm a little bit more forgiving if it's like, oh, afterwards, I was like, well, those plot points were stupid. But if I'm noticing them being stupid, then it's a problem for me. Um, And that's the only reason, that's like my biggest, why I like waver back and forth. Because I do think this is a well-made, well-shot, well-acted, like everything looks fucking great. And it's enjoyable to watch. I don't hate it by any means. Um, And I, you know, I had fun watching it with Zach earlier. I was glad that I had to revisit it for this because it was like... Oh, I probably wouldn't have revisited this. Now I'm rambling too much, but I, I'm trying to say that I both like it and no, dislike I, it. Yeah.
3: I, I think that's fair. It's it's interesting that both of you are saying, oh, I think this movie is very enjoyable, because I do like this movie. Um, I don't find this movie particularly enjoyable, and I actually don't really like rewatching this movie, because I actually find a lot of this movie very upsetting but that is by design, but it's because it's this movie is so philosophical it's asking so many big questions and not always answering them, but it's having these conversations, which is why the little minutiae of silly quote unquote silly things like character motivations and character decisions it's like the movie is above all that for me it, it, at least in my viewing experience because I'm like, oh, but I am so fascinated by what this movie is implying by these questions that it's imposing right. I'm not saying that that, that that excuses any of the the issues that people have with it. I, I get them. It's just that I. I, I the, the grand scheme of things is bigger for me that, that, than those little things. Uh, I'm See, now I'm rambling.
4: <laughs>
3: I don't know. I, I, I like this movie. I respect this movie. I admire this movie. I think it's a very ambitious movie, flaws and all. Right. I don't have a desire to jump back and rewatch it anytime soon because, as I said, I do find this very upsetting and quite joe was, you said fatalistic i think and that's not something that i particularly enjoy watching even though i do think it's very effective yeah and honestly i agree
1: with all of that i can understand why people have complicated feelings about this for me as someone who honestly made a large part of their upbringing about alien movies like my sister and i used to watch these movies all the time so it was a huge component of my my teen years I never thought that we were going to get more. And I enjoy Alien versus Predator, but I don't think that they're particularly great movies. They're fun movies, but, you know, to see the franchise come back to more like heady ideas, really carefully constructed, whether you like it or not, the things that they're doing, this film has ambition and design, and I think that's really exciting, and I don't think it's entirely well executed. There's still a lot of messy shit. I think we we really zoned in on it. It's in the differences between the two different screenplays, Mm -hmm. and I think you can see both of them various points in the film but overall for me this is an enjoyable film i do enjoy revisiting it i like a lot of these characters i wish we had more of them i would take a mini series all that stuff Ooh, yeah. my final point is i do want to give a shout out to janty yates who is the costume designer for this film because them blue spaceships are uh,
2: very nice they look
1: real good on these hot
3: hot actors this the space suits or spaceships <laughs> sorry space suits.
1: do you know if
2: that's the same costume designer for the next one because david in the white suit is real nice at the beginning yeah oh yeah, yeah. If, mm-hmm. if you like
3: fastbender, you get to see a lot of fastbender. Well, i think what is his line he's like you do the fluting i'll do the fingering <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah even
1: when you watch covenant you have to come back and tell us if you yeah. really like it more or less or just differently
2: I'm
3: curious. I'm so curious. But um... Zach, do you think I'll I like it? don't.
2: You'll probably like it more than this. <laughs> I it's it's because you can't turn your brain off. But you know, it's if you can, it'll be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah.
0: But Zach, you haven't seen the second Alien vs. Predator, yes, right? yeah. Oh, because that's pretty stupid and I enjoy it because I, I feel like it knows
3: okay, what but, it is. But but, but Alien vs. Predator 2 is a sequel to a stupid movie called Alien vs. Predator. Alien Covenant <laughs> is a stupid movie that's a sequel to Prometheus. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> anyway, okay. Anyway. Well, that is Prometheus. <laughs> um, Ian and Zach, first of all, thank you for coming on this long journey with us. I, re- I Y'all's input has been awesome for this i love all the different points of view um but let everyone know where can they find you on social media and talk about also like your podcasts
2: all righty if you want to search my bloody judy you'll find us we are on youtube and all podcasting platforms if you want to search me you can probably just search zach garcia or adventures of zach and Be, and you'll find me also
0: and if you want to find me, I am at Carlos. And if you want to find the other podcast that I host and Zachary sometimes co-hosts when I bully him into doing it, <laughs> uh, that's SlayerFest98, and we cover Buffy and Marvel stuff.
3: Nice. There you go. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers. Shoot us an email at HorrorQueers at gmail.com. Find us on Letterboxd at HorrorQueers to keep track of all the films we've covered. Go to our YouTube channel to check out our interviews with horror filmmakers, as well as our, uh, our what we're looking forward to every month in the horror landscape. Uh, go chat with other listeners at our Facebook Horror Queers group. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and Spotify. If you want even more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. Uh, we're almost done with April, so go sign up now. And at the highest tier, you can get 235 hours of extra content. Uh, our new episodes this month include a discussion on films with make-or-break endings, the latest remake of Children of the Corn*. Ugh. The new horror comedy Renfield, Amazon Prime's TV show Swarm, and an audio commentary on House of a Thousand Corpses for its 20th anniversary. Yeah. Joe, mm-hmm. what are we discussing next week? Well, we're going to take it back to the 80s to talk
1: about one of my favorite queer-coded relationships, Trace, but also space slugs. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about...
3: Night of the Creeps. Uh, a movie that everyone proclaims is queer, but every fan of that movie from the 80s is like, no, you're reaching!
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love this movie. We actually covered this in our article series before the podcast began, so go check that out. But also, go see the movie, because it's awesome. But, mm-hmm. um, until next week, we can cross out Prometheus. Indeed. And cross
1: out horror queers. <laughs>